Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Aloha, Namaskar. Happy Halloween, everyone. It is the Halloween episode, as promised. Here it is. And also, not exactly Halloween. Doesn't matter. We're going to get into that in a little bit. First and foremost, I am Dr. Blom. You are Texas hospitalist physician. And with me, as always, is my excellent friend, genius scholar, and a gentleman, Sean Esquire. How the heck are you? Howdy, Dr. Blom. Shabbat Shalom. And episode 25, and Shabbat Shalom to you, sir. Uh, very, very excited to be here, and great, gorgeous day over here. Uh, everybody, I, I worked last night, and I'm a little loopy in terms of sleep dep deprivation. You should be acclimated to that by now, but I want to dive right in. Sean Esquire, I am so excited this week. Uh, yeah. Partially, yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is uh, Sean Esquire made me wait made me wait to get it to get it going on the pod you know good yeah good i had some technical difficulties uh, that's not fair no no sean sean esquire was doing was doing honoring his oath he was doing his oath he was uh he put some murderers back on the street that's always fun that's a good that's a good <laughs> <laughs> that's a good deal no i i always give sean esquire did uh amazing things this last week uh that he would never uh brag about but I, i'm gonna brag on on shana squire that he did some some great things and that is why even though this is a halloween episode it's not exactly well the deal was is that we said we'll do a spooky spooky halloween episode and then mm -hmm. we said well you know what's great spooky also kooky kooky yeah. is fun as well like spooky and kooky i'm like wait a minute here what would be kookier than doing a halloween episode Three, four days, five days after Halloween. What's kookier than that? That's, <laughs> that's as kooky as it gets, Sean Esquire. So, yeah, apologies to everyone. I, you know, it's a, you watch scary movies year round. You don't need to be like, it's Halloween night. It's the only night for scary movies. You, you can do a Halloween episode a couple days after Halloween. It's fine. So, yeah, there's like a, there's like a big horror movie coming out on Thanksgiving Day. Which one is that? I think it's called Thanksgiving Day. Is it, oh, really? It's a thing? Like a vampire turkey or something? Uh, it's like a guy, just from the trailer that I saw, he looks like he's dressed as like a pilgrim, but he <laughs> murders people. Is he like a pilgrim like now, like modern times? He's like, I'm coming out oh, no. with my musket. It fires one bullet per hour. <laughs> like, everybody think, look out. The pilgrim's yeah, here. I think, I think it's more of a bladed object. <laughs> well, that. <laughs> I just don't think of the pilgrims as like quick, nimble, like ninjas, like, oh, everybody, look out, there's a pilgrim here. Okay. <laughs> He's got rickets, everyone. He's not going to, his shins are going to snap in half. I'm going to so, carve you and your turkey. Um, I'll colonize your your fear. Okay, uh, pilgrims, that's not very nice. We've got we got some uh, mailbag, Shen Esquire, very excited about mailbag this week. Very. Everyone, I want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for... For blowing up the mailbag, it's very, very nice. One of the mailbags from this last week uh, comes from um, a lady that says, you gave me the courage to leave my horrible husband. Shana mm. that's that's fantastic. Ladies, if you're, I mean, anyone, if you're trapped in that horrible situation, then uh, life's too short. Life's too short right. to spend it with, with toxic people Toxic people, and uh, get get out of there. Get out of that horrible thing. And then, uh, and then I just kind of reached in the mailbag. Next one, strangely enough, you stupid idiots made my wife leave me. 
that's kind of nice. But I can't mm-hmm. stop listening to you. Don't ever change. I love you forever. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's good. I mean, he has his priority straight. Sir, I, I hope you work on you. You know, look look within in yourself. But you're on the right track. You're listening to mm-hmm. us. So all you're gonna all you're gonna get from us is love and and uh, figuring out the world and the universe and yourself. So good good for you, sir. Good for you. Yeah. For, uh, you know, sometimes I mean that's what it takes. Sometimes you hit rock bottom. The wife leaves and you're like, ah, uh, doctor and a lawyer walking to the podcast. I guess I'll check it out. And then boom, you know, you got six pack abs and get your wife back. All kinds of things happen. All Charles kinds Clark, of did you, things. Did you yeah, get any uh, uh, mailbag? Some- it's, it wasn't a direct email, but there's been some murmurs going around in the gossip channels that uh, the Texas Rangers win was uh, it occurred because of a doctor and a lawyer walking to a podcast podcast. I'm, I'm okay with, I mean, the Astros had a great run. We can always, Hey, proud for the Astros. So, you know, the, the glass is half full, but yeah, well, Rangers I mean, if you support cheaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what is going on with the with the ranger i didn't know that they had a doctor and a lawyer walk into a podcast connection oh yeah it, it runs deep in that organization right there with creed you know creed okay. took them to a certain level and then our podcast mm-hmm. went above and beyond that wait wait i mean creed will only take you so far and then we took him i mean we took Even him to higher. like game five six seven that was that was all us basically right. that was okay. the grand slam in in Against the Houston Astros by Adolis Garcia. Did, did you hear from the coach? Oh, it was the dude. It was like a like one of the like the main dudes. That's what I've heard. It's rumors. Mm. Which one was it? It's like MVP guy. Yeah, uh, no, that's uh, Corey Seager. Adolis Garcia was the the big bomby that that blasted the Grand Slam against the Houston Astros. Is he, he the uh, Rangers? Is he the Rangers Altuve? Is he? Uh no. No, very mm. different. Altuve is very tiny. <laughs> That's small statured man. I, but amazing, like you know, one one in a billion. Yeah, uh, you know, if you know the signs. The rain. So the Rangers uh, could have never gotten there. A lot of people are saying basically. Mo- most everyone is saying ninety nine percent people <laughs> with, without a doctor or a lawyer walk into a podcast then. Uh, well, good, good for you, Rangers. Yeah. Take notes, Diamondbacks. Well, congratulations to Rangers. You had a hell of a season, and you've definitely earned it. Shadow Squire, I've got a little bit of mea copa, a little bit of follow-up. One thing is you might, uh, everyone, listeners, friends, uh, we got a, we got cut off. I say cut off. We got, we got a short cutoff thing towards the end of the last episode, and I don't want to blame anyone or any... <laughs> Thing, but sometimes you uh, sometimes you want an El Diablo burrito. Sometimes you want three El Diablo burritos on pod day, and that that is a harsh harsh mistress. Well worth it. So um, <laughs> we, yeah, we we kind of got a quick a quick cut off there, and things happen. And um, yeah, love uh, love Mexican food, love burritos. So other than that, Sean Esquire. Diving into the presidents that did not have a, any real deal education. There's 12 of them that have no degree. So every president since 53 has had a degree, since 1953 has had a degree. But the presidents that did not have degrees, as we talked about, there's George Washington, obviously, 
Mm-hmm. Well, he he got a PhD in kicking British ass. Mm-hmm. That's what that's that's his degree. There's James Monroe, who uh, yeah. So a lot of these are kind of like he didn't finish college. That's okay. I mean, he he went to college. He showed up. Sometimes he said it wasn't for him. I mean, there's like there's no parking, and the parking is a pain in the ass, and then you get a weird horse. Get a weird. Get a weird roommate. Yeah, so, I mean, I understand people go to college, and uh, it's a you know it's a pyramid scheme. Then there's Andrew Jack- Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren. Uh, I think also he got a PhD in sideburns. I always forget. Isn't he? Isn't he Mister Sideburns? President yes. President Sideburns. <laughs> William Harrison. He quit college, and also he quit med school. So oh. also. Also, he quit life, Sean Esquire. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't make it like a full two months into the presidency. This guy, I won't say William Henry, William Henry, Henry Harrison, like a quitter, but college, med school, presidency made the made the curse. We'll, we won't get into that. Zachary Taylor, we talked about. He, oh, he didn't. He also <laughs> didn't finish his presidency or college. He didn't go to college. Millard Millard Fillmore. Which is, mm. I think, one of my favorite names of the presidents. Because I don't know any Millards. Do you know any Millards? No. I know Zachs and Martins and Andrews and right. So Millards, right? That's a cool name. Uh, yeah, didn't uh, ain't no ain't no schooling on Millard. Ain't no schooling on uh, Abe Lincoln. But I heard that Abe Lincoln had found a stack of books or whatever, like these lawyer books. I don't know if it was a garage sale or an estate, estate thing or whatever. He was just like really into, he was one of those like weekend checking out this garage sale, like, oh, sweet, check out this guitar. Anyway, so uh, the old story is that Abe Lincoln had these, he found, found these books. I don't know what it was. And then that's what spurred him on to becoming a lawyer because back then you didn't need college. You would just, you know, I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> the do- doctors did it also. Andrew Johnson, ain't no schooling. Rutherford Hayes, this is a side note, he was the first uh, president that actually went to law school. Oh. What law school did you go to? Mm, Georgetown. Pretty close, kind of. Uh, Harvard, maybe you've heard of it. Grover Grover Cleveland, no, ain't no learning. Uh, McKinley, he quit not one but two colleges, and he quit law school. Scott. He was one of those smart. <laughs> he just racked up all these student loans everywhere he went. He's like, I'm not paying any of those. And then he got it. And then he got assassinated. So he, I'm seeing a lot of the presidents, Sean Esquire, that quit, also uh, quit the presidency via a bullet or or sometimes cherries and milk. Cherries and milk. Yep. Truman quit college and law school. So there is that. Uh, another another sidebar, LBJ, he went, he did Texas State, but then he quit law school. Oh, yeah. Also, he probably was involved with the assassination of JFK. Then, uh, so those are the uh, the main pre- and then another sidebar, most educated educated president out of all the president, Sean Esquire. Which one? Which one was like the dude, Mister uh. Mister Pants? I mean, we talked about before. Garfield was like semi genius, like 
probably a genius. But this this guy had the credentials to, you know, proof in the pudding, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Woodrow Wilson had a PhD. Really? Yeah, he was that guy. I think he's the only PhD out of out of all of them. Huh. Yeah. I would have never so, thought Woodrow. Yeah, well, good old good old Woodrow. He's like he's you know, that dude that sits in the front row. Remember law school? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, in med the, school we had gunners. <laughs> yeah, well the undercover undercover gunners. In med school we had the dude that would sit on the front row and raise his hand and his name was Mark. And he was always like, oh, yeah. And so we just called him question mark because this asshole would never shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's question mark. Um, anyway, yeah, don't be that guy, everybody. When you go to class, just take the notes and move on with your life. And you don't need to, like, debate the prof- professor or whatever else. Shout out, Squire. Any other follow-up on you? I might have one or two, one or two more. Um, I've got some follow-up since we talked about the first Supreme Court justice. You had asked mm. me, what was the first case? Ever. Um, ever, well, there was one that was filed before this that never made it there, got settled out. But the actual first case that the Supreme Court heard was West v. Barnes. It uh, dealt with the Rhode Island statute regarding repayment of debts. So I, I thought it was going to be somebody that slipped and fell at the grocery store. And then no, not that, not that, not that interesting. But so at the time, <laughs> Rhode Island passed a law that basically said you could repay debts with paper currency instead of gold and silver, which was like the federal standard. Um, so West. Sorry, what, when are we? The first case ever? It's like 17... 1780... No, 1791, I believe, was the date. Okay. We didn't we didn't get the first Supreme Court case until the U.S. was almost 20 years old. Um, so, West was a farmer, an anti-federalist leader, a revolutionary war general, and a judge. Uh, so, he had a mortgage on his farm from a failed molasses deal. I guess he was trying to grow molasses or whatever they do with it. Probably, probably tried to grow it and that's why it didn't work out. Um, it's a sticky so, situation. Yeah. He owed a bunch of money and he asked the state for permission to conduct a lottery to help pay off the remainder of his debt. And a lot of the proceeds that were received from this lottery were all in paper currency instead of gold and silver. Um, so Barnes is the ones that they, or Barnes, they owed the money to them. West owed the money. He was like, I don't want to take this paper currency. I want gold or silver. So they filed a, you know, lawsuit. Um, so Barnes was an attorney and later a federal judge. So he brought suit asserting that he had to be repaid in gold or silver. That's what the federal law said. Uh, West represented himself. The this went to a circuit court and they ruled against West. So then he appealed to the Supreme Court. West, uh, I guess he lived pretty far away from Philadelphia at the time, which is where uh, Supreme Court was located at. So he hired an attorney out of Pennsylvania uh, William Bradford, he was actually Pennsylvania's attorney general at the time. Um, 
there was whenever you do an appeal to the Supreme Court, you basically file a, a writ of appeal, and there was a time frame for them to do this. So Barnes asserted that the writ had been signed and sealed only by the clerk of the circuit court in Rhode Island, where the case was originally heard, instead of by the Supreme Court clerk. So the Supreme Court clerk should have, this this writ should have been stamped with them. And under the law, it would have had to have been done within 10 days of the the ruling to file his writ. Um, try for, to those, get, for those that don't know, what is a writ? Um, a piece of paper. <laughs> it's a it's a request to a court. Okay. And so they said, "Oh, you had ten days to get this writ filed, stamped with the clerk of the Supreme Court." And because of that, uh, and it didn't get there in time, he basically lost his appeal with the Supreme Court, which kind of sucks because trying to get, I guess, from Rhode Island to Philadelphia to file your writ within the ten day time frame. Yeah, there's no there's no FedEx or faxing or. No, it's very difficult back in 1790s. So, but you you raise an interesting point because a lot of the courts, you know, they they say, oh, well, you have to do this by this day or this, and then what happens is technology catches up, and mm-hmm. they say, oh, well, now we have emails, and now we have Zoom. We don't have to go to court, and so technology, and then the courts are still like, no, we don't want to modernize and you know expedite <laughs> justice. Right. I mean, it seemed like the Supreme Court justices on it were like, yeah, it sucks that you didn't get in this 10 day window, but that's what the law is. And they were not going to change what the law said. They said this is Congress's ordeal. They need to put change the law, essentially. You got to think about like they had a stack of stuff, right? You know, it's just like, uh, all right, guys, this is the United States. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. We got a first one ever. Let's choose a good one because they choose, right? They don't. It's not like people tell them, like, "Hey, man, you got to do this one on Tuesday." I bet at the time of this, it probably wasn't so much of a, a choosing because there were so few litigation cases going on. But yeah, nowadays they get um, things get sent for appeal to the Supreme Court all the time, and they determine which cases they're going to hear they decide like well, we don't want to we, we don't want to talk about gun rights right so yeah yeah it's then, very very different nowadays and then so do you think the first supreme court from what you can tell were i mean based on today's standards is an insane comparison but uh conservative i'm gonna say not liberal you know just yeah, that's, that, said, that might be that might be a modern take. Like we think now, like is the current court conservative, blah blah blah. But maybe back back in the day, they're like, "Hey, man, we're just happy to have people that can read." <laughs> Based on this ruling, it, I'm not going to say like conservative, progressive. It was more of we have been given a role to to judge without bias but we're not going to step outside what we're allowed to do. And this was kind of that first, like this is what the law says. And yeah, it sucks for West because it's difficult to do, but we are not going to use our judicial branch to change the rules put in place. It's, but they were still doing like black robes and and powdered and the powdered wigs. Powdered wigs. Oh yeah. 
Ah, that's weird. You got to think about like the first dude that rolled out and he was like, I'm not doing powdered wigs. And they're like, this guy is like the James Dean. He's like the rebel, <laughs> right? Burn, 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 burn. <laughs> I don't know. He's like the one be, man uh, boy right? band Tom Petty out there. Just <laughs> at some point, there's all these things that we'd like take for granted or whatever. But at some point, all the Supreme Court justice folk dudes, they're like, "Hey, man, it's powdered wigs. We made a decision, and that's that's what we're going with." And then mm -hmm. one day, a guy showed up, and he's like, "Not me, man." And he just sat there, and they're like. What's going on with Johnson? He doesn't have a powdered wig on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get my wig guy in. Oh, that's what happened. <laughs> he lost it or something. And he was like, guess I'll go. Honey, where is my damn powdered wig? I got to go to work. And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, it's 1790. Why don't you know? And then he just rolled, he rolled in like, no one will notice. And then, and then somebody, of course, everyone's going to say something. And he just goes, you know what today's court case is? Uh, trendsetter. That's me. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> the, other, the other justices look at him and are like, oh, bad, bad hair day, Johnson. <laughs> you know, the, the, like uh, Ruth uh, Ginsburg, she had the doily thing, the collar. Mm -hmm. Like, look, look at me. It's yep. not like... It's not like Clarence Thomas was like, that's a good look. I'm going to get on board with that. So eventually there'll be a Supreme Court justice that's like, what are you guys doing? You doing the cotton robes? That's cool. I'm doing the black. I'm doing the black leather robe, but I tore the sleeves off. Check out my guns. <laughs> I painted flames on my, on my Supreme Court justice robe. It looks badass, everybody. I'm ready to do some justice. <laughs> Uh, I've got I've, I've got a follow up that John Esquire is uh, he is uh, very excited he's very excited about this one. Well, we've covered a couple of president assassinations, and John Esquire, as as many people will ask when someone gets shot, they'll say, "Oh, he probably died of John Esquire lead poisoning." John Esquire thinks that a lot of people that get shot, especially presidents, die of lead poisoning. So I went back on literature as best I can. I have a CDC report from 2017. Less than 1% of adults with high lead levels um, had bullets in them. So most of the, so this is a difficult kind of thing. And you see this when you talk about epidemiology and you see this when you talk about medicine and things like that. Then there, there are people with the highest lead levels where 5% of those people had bullets in them. So there's that. Uh, one thing I learned is that the gun range is very, very dangerous for people in terms of in terms of lead poisoning. And also, I think I learned this years ago, and then I, I just like purged it from my brain, I made room so that I could memorize all the movies for uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that. What it, what is the name for lead poisoning, Shana Square? I don't know if I like I saw this in a couple of papers, so I don't know how cemented this is. The name for lead poisoning, mm -hmm. uh, hypoledemia. Mm. That's pretty good. Saturism, Saturnism. Oh. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really familiar with that. So in the U.S., there was 115,000, 120,000 gun injuries, 
seventy percent of those. Well, I'm I'm last year ish. Uh, sorry about the ish, everybody. So um, seventy percent of those were not fatal. Mm. That's pretty good. Pretty good odds, I think. Yeah. And so at at the end of the day, I looked at you know what's called a meta analysis. And you look at all these published uh, articles about like, oh, what's the what's the incidence of lead poisoning with uh, with bullets? And at the end of the day, no no one really knows. There's a lot of lead poisoning things that aren't reported, and most of the lead poisoning things that are reported are from people that work in the industry, right? So OSHA and things like that. Like, if you work, I worked in a in a lab way back in the day and they had radiation. So we had to have those little um, tags on our lapels and they would, they would measure the radiation and then you would send that in. I think people that work in cardiac cath labs are the same thing. They're exposed to so much radiation. So after a while you're like, OSHA is going to be like, Oh, is this a, a safe work environment? We need the government over here. So if a bullet is lodged in a bone or in a joint, in a joint space, it's going to increase the risk of the lead poisoning and one of the one of the examples that I sent Sean Esquire is a young man named Colin Gadir. He was from uh, he was one of the survivors, the Vir- uh, Virginia Tech shooter survivors. So mm-hmm. I think he was shot four times, survived the shooting, succumbed to I say succumb. I'm sorry. He ultimately got lead poisoning. He didn't die from it. He had to, he had to do the whole thing. So the process. In terms of treating, I don't know what people think regarding lead poisoning. Like, I'll just go down to the CVS and get some anti-lead poisoning medication. <laughs> it's not that simple, everybody. It's it's a big it's a big to do. He was taking like thirty pills a day. So there's a thing called the chelating process. We do this with a lot of things. So basically, it, it like latches on. You ingest this medication, and it uh, latches on to the toxic material lead mercury things like that so it's called chelating so the the lead chelators are pretty complicated very expensive and so sean esquire uh mckinley did not die of lead poisoning almost definitely and garfield didn't die of lead poisoning and lincoln didn't die of lead poisoning so sean esquire is asking me about you say almost definitely but it's still a possibility no 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 so it's yeah you know, uh, when I when I talk to families about uh, people want numbers a lot. Well, what's the odds, Doc? Mm-hmm. And so, so when things are almost absolutely definite, I'll still land on ninety nine percent. I've sent plenty of people home on hospice to pass away, and in my head, I'm like oh, a week maybe, and then you know they make it a month. So anyway, that's that's how medicine. Statistical analysis becomes very, very difficult when you factor in the hand of God. That's just one of the things. So, Shen Esquire, I want to thank you for holding my feet to the fire regarding the the lead poisoning. And everyone, PSA, lead poisoning, what are you going to look for? There's there's memory problems, stomach aches, and it's very, very vague symptoms in terms. but, But on the medical literature... I did, obviously, there's in the environmental exposures, which is people that work with heavy metals. That's a no-brainer. But also people that work at gun ranges also. So there's that. So, uh, Sean Esquire, thank you. And you're, and, you, and you're welcome. Thank you, and you're welcome. Thank you. All right. I have another follow-up. I'm excited. Lay it third, on me. Third Amendment. 
<laughs> is this the one you're guaranteed a right uh, to share a friend's pizza, even though yes. you yes. bought the last four pizzas and they finally got a pizza and you have, okay, that's a good, that's a good amendment. Uh, third amendment, I had brought it up when you were covering the Bill of Rights and I said there was a case, a recent case about that's not fair. We, we covered the Bill of Rights. Team. Go, go team. Teamwork, teamwork, dream work. So I, I, this was out of Nevada. Uh, it was Henderson, Nevada police. They had, I guess, broke in or commandeered a, a house to set up a sniper position or, or to get a tactical advantage to view into the neighbor's area. And the, the, the homeowners ended up getting arrested and charged with like obstruction of police. And the federal district judge rejected the claim that they were, that the police had violated their constitutional right of quartering of soldiers. And so the, the federal district judge rejected the homeowners claim that their third amendment uh, was violated because he held that municipal police are not soldiers and because they're not soldiers, he didn't need to, even need to address the issue of quartering. Um, but the police had used the house for about nine hours uh, in this like SWAT standoff situation. So, Oh yeah. We talked about that last time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think this would have been an interesting one if it had been appealed from there to the Supreme court. Cause I don't know what they would have done. You know, you gotta remember these amendments were drafted over 200 years ago. There right. weren't a lot of like police departments. It was the military you know, at the time of the, the country was founded, but now well, they get in, they get into the whole thing that we talked about last time, like what is speedy justice, and then you say, well, what is what is boarding? Like they stay the night, they stay the week, you know, what is that? And then right. my question is, what is commandeering? Ooh. Like a, co a cop can be like, hey, there's a murder over there, give me your car. I'm like, no, no, you can't. I'm going to work, man. Yeah, <laughs> go find another car. <laughs> Is there is there federal whatever on on like police commandeering? Well, he basically said that it, it looked like these issues probably could be addressed more with the Fourth Amendment against unreasonable searches and seizures. That okay. Could, so if if I guess if the court would uphold the police not going in your house based on the Fourth Amendment, you wouldn't need to make a Third Amendment challenge, but. Oh, the the attorney did it wrong. He went. He was like, "I gotta lock in this third. And the judge was like, "Should have gone with fourth, stupid." I don't know because if they would have gone fourth, I think the attorney for the police would have argued one: this wasn't a search. We're not searching for anything. Um, and two. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's exceptions to the warrant requirement under the fourth amendment one of those being exigent circumstances that the police can go into your home uh or something like that obviously search, your, search a car yeah and the cops are like oh your car smells like pot get over here I'm like there's no pot in my car dude I'm like no nah, we're gonna we're gonna mess up your whole day like, so that's a that's a probable cause search uh, okay 
it's different. Exigent circumstances are like you get to a house, you don't have a search warrant to enter, but you hear somebody scream, help me, help me. Oh yeah. Yeah. They did that on, uh, on uh, seven with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. So now you have a reason to go into that house under the exigent circumstance. They were like, Oh, we can't break into the murderer guys. And then Brad Pitt's like, Oh, I heard, I heard someone scream that Mm -hmm. they're getting murdered. And then, you know, that's how they, that's how they did it. That's how they do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. But but commandeering is still a thing in this day and age? I don't know. I've never done it. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, um, I always, I say, I always, I always go back to that, uh, that example of the Boston, uh, the Boston shooter, because I think, oh, yeah. that those, I think that those cops overstepped a lot, a lot. Like, I understand there was a murder on the loose and this and this and this, but there's videos of them like pointing guns at normal, innocent people. They're like, get in your house. I'm like those people didn't murder anyone, dude. Don't point a freaking assault rifle paid for by tax dollars at somebody just standing on their porch because you're looking for a couple of murderers. So anyway, I didn't know how the, like I'm at a stoplight and a cop runs up. He's like, I need your car. Like I'm, I'm commandeering. I'm like, I don't know what that means, man. I don't, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I'm on my way to a party. You cannot commandeer. I don't know if I can just say no. You can't commandeer. I don't know how yeah. the commandeering works. Yeah, I don't think police do that anymore. I think it's just a movie thing. Right. There's no. There's no real commandeering. Like there's no justice. I mean, there's no like law or whatever, anything like that. Right. Like I think they would just say, "Hey, can I borrow your car?" And if he said mm-hmm. no, they're just going to go to someone else. Right. And then conversely, I couldn't like run up to a cop and be like, I'm a physician. I got a flat. I'm commandeering your police car so that I can go <laughs> to work and go save some lives. Sorry. Sorry, police guy. He's right? going to tell you to commandeer an Uber. <laughs> See, exactly. Okay. That that goes back to my point about like the, the judges and the courts are like, we don't know what to do. And like, all of a sudden, like there's email, dude, there's zoom. Like, of course you know what to do. You can be more efficient. So, mm-hmm. and that's my, that's my take on it. Shut up, I think we are caught up on the, on the mea copa. Yeah. I don't have yeah. a, a can here. So bitch, how's that sound effect? <laughs> Mind is blown. What are, you, what are you drinking this week? My friend. Oh, oh wait, we we didn't explain everyone. Everyone, if our uh, if our potting this week sounds a little guerrilla journalism, like a like raw, real deal. Number one, this is a spooky episode. Ooh, <laughs> and uh, I'm on location. I'm not. I'm I'm not at home. If I if I sound like I'm in the back of a funeral home, I'm just trying to do the the creepy kooky uh, part. <laughs> And then, and then Child Esquire is also on, on location, but I am, I'm still doing Shiner Oktoberfest because of we, as we spoke about before, I love Oktoberfest and Shiner really gets it done. And the Marzen is right on the money. So I don't have anything new for beer. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, but I got new beers stuff to review at home. I'm just, I'm on the road this week. And uh, again, I know you've heard this. I like the Shiner Marzen. I like the Oktoberfest. Love it. And I don't apologize for loving Marzins. Yeah, I'm drinking a Shiner Bach today. Just the regular, you know, you yellow, yellow label. Um, picked it up on the way in. 
You know what time it is, everyone. It is history time. History, history horning, horning time, everyone. And we are excited on this special Halloween spooky kooky episode. So kooky that we that we started. Oh, by the way, China Square. Before uh, we do uh, do uh, get into the history, I wanted to mention that we, we you know earlier we got cut off on the previous episode did you think for a second i did i was like oh we were stumbling upon some real deal stuff and the cia or whoever the powers that be were like pull the plug the like lizard people oh yeah let's not blame the el diablo burritos those are delicious those are not this let's not do that it's probably the black um, hole that cern created we, I mean, come on, we, how many very, very real deal things did we touch on in the last episode that obviously the CIA, lizard people, whatever, they just they pulled the plug on the previous episode. So, hey, everybody, proof's in the pudding. You wanted mm-hmm. to know, like, how are we getting close to, uh, hey, there, there it is. So uh, history week, everyone. Here we are. I'm very, very, very excited. Sean Esquire uh, has just blowing the doors off of all kinds of amazing history stuff and what are you doing this week my friend history history week tell you something a little kooky oh i like i like kooky we're doing spooky spooky kooky that's why october the 14th 1947 chuck yeager Mm -hmm. he was kooky now uh he he ate five pizzas he no one said he could do it that's right He flew in the Bell X-1 rocket plane um, and broke the sound barrier. This was actually the first recorded time an aircraft had done this, uh, which, you know, if you don't know, he flew this thing to... So Mach 1 is sound barrier. He flew this thing to Mach 1.07, which is about 821 miles per hour. And the town of Victorville, California, was the first place to officially hear a sonic boom. Uh, The project was secret. It wasn't publicly known until June of 1948, so about nine months later. Um, This plane, the X-1, was actually dropped from a B-29 bomber to save fuel. Mm-hmm. So strapped to it like a little, you know, kangaroo pouch. And then he opened the pouch and then the rocket takes off and, and just accelerates. Um, some interesting thing. They said that there were rumors of planes in World War II breaking the sound barrier when they were doing high dives, like, you know, get high altitude, then come swooping in, I guess, on German outpost. But there were no confirmations of breaking the sound barrier, and a lot of these dive planes ended up crashing. And <laughs> that's, the price, that's the price that you pay. You're like, well, it's, uh, it's World War II. We don't, have the, uh, we don't have the Bell X-1. We'll do right. what we can. And speaking so. of World War II, so Chuck Yeager started out as an aircraft mechanic and eventually became a pilot and fought in World War II as an as a as a pilot. Um, this 
this uh, event that took place on October 14th, uh, when he broke the sound barrier, he actually flew with two broken ribs. Uh, and so two days before the flight, he and his wife, they went horseback riding. And what happens when you ride horses? They get you, pissed off. You get off the horse and then you have private wife time out in the woods. And then uh, and then the horse I, is upset because he didn't. <laughs> Chuck Yeager, he went for a little horse, quote unquote, horse ride with my wife. Mm-hmm. And then the Chuck Yeager's wife. Good for you. Good for so Chuck, Chuck got thrown. He broke two of his ribs. Um, he was not going to be able to fly if he had broken ribs. So he didn't tell anybody. Oh, and, yeah, he, yeah. and he went off base to get his ribs taped up by a civilian doc. I don't know. What are they even taped up? Like they just, they open you up and tape your ribs up? Yeah. So in the olden, in the olden times, in the... The Chuck Yeager times, when you were like, a horse broke my my ribs. It definitely wasn't crazy sex with my wife. <laughs> so in the in the olden days, they would wrap you. They would like literally like this like ace bandage thing because the the you know they didn't know any better. They just they were like, let's put some leeches on this guy. He's got a pneumonia. And then uh, so they would they thought, oh, oh, broken ribs. You know what you do with a broken leg? You wrap it, and then the the leg will figure it out. Like, oh, the leg will heal. The problem was the chest cavity needs to expand, and oh. uh, and in order like to like move oxygen and everything. So after years and years and years and years, you know, they just thought, well, we'll wrap the ribs. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> they have like I don't know about like broken ribs, but fractured ribs, things like that, then uh, you, you don't wrap them like you did in the, ni- <laughs> the 1940s because a, a lot of those people, most of those people, they got pneumonia because you can't expand your lungs. You need your lungs to, to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fluid collects, and then you get pneumonia, and then you get sepsis, and then you die. So that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a big no-no that we've, uh, we've learned in, since the 1940s. No more wrapping of people well he didn't he didn't die from this he survived Mm -hmm. uh broke the sound barrier and ultimately retired out of the air force in 1975 by that point he had flown over 10,000 flight hours and had flown in 361 different types of military aircraft that's a lot of that's a lot of planes well, I mean, he is flying so much that when he mm-hmm. gets when he gets done flying, he gets his ribs broken by a horse, or the or wife, wife right? Like you're. <laughs> I was trying to keep it like a little mysterious. <laughs> uh, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I broke my ribs riding a horse, like. Did you, did you really, <laughs> did you tell your wife that you flew a thousand missions last week? And she was like, get over here. <laughs> so, I mean, I've got to imagine the guy's in pretty good shape. And how far are you falling off a horse? Like five <laughs> feet? <laughs> well, horses were not like that big back then. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Chuck Yeager was like a baller. He was like, all I have is Clyde's deal. <laughs> <laughs> only thing i'm chuck yeager i want a clydesdale or nothing mm-hmm. 
All right, Chuck Yeager, nobody's buying that dumb story. Okay, so yeah, the spooky sound barrier was broken. Chuck Yeager. Was it kooky? Okay, okay. I mean, the kooky part was that dumb story about the horse. Like, my wife and I were riding a horse, and then I got my ribs broken. Really? Is Is your wife, like, half your size? How are her ribs doing? Oh, her ribs are fine. Her ribs are totally fine. Like, okay. Yeah, were they on the same horse or were they on two separate horses? <laughs> she was she was on a horse and that horse's name was Chuck Yeager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chuck Yeager family. I don't believe that story. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it X-rated. I'm just saying. <laughs> when, when it smells like BS, then whatever. Anyway, Chuck Yeager, you are an American hero, sir. Thank you for breaking the sound barrier and um, and your and your thousand other flights. Did he did he do like the uh, like the Blackwing, like uh, all the other amazing ones? I don't know. It just said he flew a bunch of different ones. <laughs> it said other things. You just didn't. <laughs> I feel sorry for these guys, you know, honestly, because um, because if you're doing like, like, oh, I did the sound barrier, I'm in this amazing plane, and then you're in your car, and you're stuck mm-hmm. in freaking five o'clock traffic, like, just for me, I've never broken the sound barrier, and then I'm just like in five o'clock traffic, I'm like, this is the worst day of my life, damn mm-hmm. it, and then Chuck Yeager is sitting there, he's trying to get home to his wife, is like doing this amazing sex that like breaks his ribs or whatever. And he's just like, I broke the sound barrier and, and this asshole is, won't get out of the, the passing lane with this stupid F-150. Go. So, okay. Gager, you're an American hero, sir. You're the best. So yes, sound barrier. Good, good for you, sir. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Dr. Blob? Well, I have uh, I have this uh, amazing story, but before I get into this, uh, I'm going to give everyone a break because it is uh, it is mind blowing. And uh, quick uh, quick beer break, everyone. And again, Halloween episode, so I don't want to give too much away. This is the spooky part, not the kooky part. Sean Squire is doing like uh, like kooky things. So quick break, and then look out. Welcome back to A Doctor and a Lawyer Walk Into a Podcast. And for our Halloween, special Halloween episode, I am going to be covering the Amityville horrors, murders, and uh, and all of that. Uh, there's a trial, there's the actual murders, and then there is the haunting. Shana Squire, do you know anything about the uh, Amityville murder situation, all that? No. Okay. It's October 14th, 1975, when the actual trial happens. However, going back, there's Ronald Joseph. Uh, He went, uh, Ronald Joseph DeFeo. uh, By the way, DeFeo, that means ugly, right? Of, of, Uh, of, yeah. Feo, yeah. So he's the the junior also. He he went by Butch, also known as Ronnie. So uh, his family, they had got this uh, Dutch colonial style home. It's got the A-frame, this famous uh, silhouette. It's built around 1927. It's got this like a 
this jack-o'-lantern look to it. Famous, famous Amityville uh, horror movie house thing. Uh, Amityville, it means friendly village. And a huge story there. Then uh, the DeFeos, they move in in 1965. It's got five bedrooms, three baths, uh, three floors. It's got a pool, boat, boathouse. It's got a boathouse. I don't know about a boat. And then uh, and then it's got a boat dock. It's got that classic Gambrel uh, roof. And then uh, the Amityville itself, is, it's in the village in Long Island. Long Island, New York, it's about an hour, a little less than an hour from uh, Manhattan. And they got it for a steal, Sean Esquire. Ooh. 75K, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, that's adjusted. Adjusted to around 715K for now. And so uh, Ronnie Sr., he's like an abusive drunk guy. And then, uh, you know, mom, she had all kinds of like psych problems. Towards the end of the relationship, the mom was like, oh, I'm going to uh, divorce. I don't want it. And then she had like, supposedly she had like three boyfriends. And then, uh, so they, they had two boys and two girls. That's what you do when, you're, when you have a, like a problem marriage. They, there's a whole situation that the, the mom's parents, or at least the mom's dad, was like, oh, this guy's no good. You know, you're going to marry him. Like a Montagues and Capulet situation. So then uh, Ronnie Sr., he's like a big dude. He's a big dude. And then uh, Ronnie Jr., he's kind of, when he's young, he's like a fat kid. He gets bullied. Ooh, boo-hoo. Uh, and then Ronnie Sr., he's like abusive, drunk guy. And then uh, Ronnie Jr., he just basically, right out of the gates, just becomes like a like a shitty kid. And I understand that he, he well, yeah, he gets abused and whatever else is going on, whatever. He's like, he's stealing all the time and he's boozing all the time and, and is doing, uh, is doing drugs. And then he, he can't hold down any jobs. And then, uh, you know, when you're like fat, you're like, Oh God, I gotta, I gotta, uh, like really get winded do <laughs> get a handle on my weight. So what is, what does he do? He like start doing crunches and stuff. Um, probably what's that slim fast. Yeah. It's called meth. <laughs> he gets into meth and then loses a bunch of weight and then you know meth like makes him a little little crazy and everything oh uh here is a very amazing so everyone i got really deep into the uh into the amityville uh, uh rabbit hole and what happened was shot esquire was crazy busy with work stuff he's like i gotta put all these murderers back on the street and then i was crazy busy with work stuff <laughs> Everyone, everyone, I'm giving Sean Esquire a hard time. And then I was busy. So so here we are a little bit after Halloween, everyone. Not a big deal. Um, but in the course of that, then I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this documentary on Amityville. And I'm going to read the book. And then I'm going to watch this other documentary. So I <laughs> just like got sucked into all of this, which was amazing, by the way. So uh, Ronnie Jr., uh, what I learned in my extensive research, piece of shit, piece, piece of shit guy. Ronnie Senior, not really a great guy, like a abusive drunk guy, and then uh, Ron, Ronnie Junior, like lazy, layabout, got fired from all these jobs. But Ronnie Senior wrote a song when he was trying to win back the love, the mom, right? And he wrote a song called "The Real Thing," which, by the way, was picked up by this jazz le- legend, this dude named Joe Williams. You might know Joe Williams from um, from. Uh, one, I, I don't know if it's one of the loneliest number or, or one of those, but anyway, the real thing that's a, that's a Joe Williams song, 
And he got that from Ronnie Jr.'s dad. That's where that came from. Oh. Amazing. Right. So then the mom had premonitions leading up to all this stuff. And she was, and she told the housekeeper, like, something tragic is going to happen. And all the ah, November 13th, 1974, Ronnie Jr. is age uh, 23. Everyone, hey, graphic uh, warning for the you know, extreme violence, everyone. For, Scary. But the, but the hey, hey, kids, go play Mario Brothers. So uh, November 13, 1974, Ronnie Jr., he goes to work at his grandpa's beauty place because he can't get a regular job, right? He's just like, my grandpa owns this place, so I'm going to come and go as I please because he's always, like, stealing from other jobs. and It's like a real piece of shit kind of guy. And then uh, <laughs> he goes to the – by the way, the dad also works there. So he goes to grandpa's uh, beauty dealership, and then uh, everyone's like, hey, where's your dad at? And like, uh, you know – He's probably loafing about. Like, no, that's what you do, Ronnie Jr. That's not really <laughs> a loafing about guy. And then Ronnie's like, don't worry, everyone. I'll call my dad. And like, I don't know, he calls his dad or pretends to call his dad. He's like, he's not answering. Who knows? Maybe he's sick. And then Ronnie's like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to leave work. I'm going to I'm gonna take off. Uh, I got a migraine or whatever. I don't know what he did. Because so, he, he did that a lot. He very, very often like went to work, did like, quote, unquote, an hour or two of work and then split. Because uh, he's a drug addict and he's like a real, like not a great person at all. And then uh, so he's like, oh, yeah, my dad's not answering and uh, I got other plans. And so, hey, everybody, good work day, everybody. I've been here for 10 minutes. I'm going to take off. <laughs> so then he goes and he hooks up with his friends about like 1 p.m. He goes, hangs out with his girlfriend, his friends. And then they go to this. Uh, I mean, it becomes an infamous bar. It wasn't an infam infamous bar at the time. Henry's Bar about one block from his house and they're boozing and everything else. And they're doing like day drinking. And then he's like afternoonish, and then he leaves. And then this is when it becomes all famous and everything. And uh, like Ronnie jr. Uh, he, around six 30 PM, November 13, 1974, he goes back to the bar. He's like, Hey, hey, hey everybody, you gotta help me. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> my, my mom and dad, they got shot no one knows who did it so <laughs> it could be anybody and then the the this is the 70s right so the the locals of the bar are like we'll go with you to the to the murder scene no one no one's like it's time to call the cops they all go with them to the to the to back to his house and they're like oh my god their mom and dad is dead they got shot for sure they're, like, <laughs> they're really also, shot died of lead poisoning uh, yeah we're, <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie Jr.'s, his two brothers and two sisters, because he's the oldest, right? They're all dead, right? Six people are dead. They're like a real deal, real deal crime scene, China Squire. And then, uh, so then someone's like, should probably call the cops. This was going to be fun. We were going to come over here and Ronnie like busts in the bar. He's like, oh, my parents got shot. And then uh, there's children, there's dead children involved. This is not fun anymore. So somebody called the cops. The cops show up and they're like, oh man, this is this is a, it's a real police situation. Glad you called us. And then immediately Ronnie's like, the mob did it. The mob, it was the mob. And, and then one of the like, lead detective guys was just like, these people have been dead for a long time. This kid is full of shit. <laughs> like that body is not an hour old. And then, uh, so oh my God, it gets really bad. 
mom and dad were around age 43. They're face down in the bed, two shots in the back, both of them, 35 caliber. This is a lever action Marlin 336C rifle. I think the C is for classic. So 35 caliber, Sean, Sean Esquire. Isn't see it's an odd caliber, smaller it than is. a thirty-eight. Yeah, I I mean I don't know the last time I saw like thirty-five caliber. Yeah, you probably don't anymore. Mm. Ever since this, that's how spooky it was. You make a thirty-five caliber, bad things are going to happen. So yeah, he like he had stalked from room to room and everything, and then so um, then uh, two shots in the back of mom and dad. And then uh, it was around, ultimately the cops were like, oh, it was around three in the morning that whoever did this, <laughs> probably the mob, probably not the mob. Uh, okay, again, everyone, a graphic warning. 13-year-old Allison got shot in the face. And then, uh, like, forensic-wise, they think that maybe her and her mom might have been awake. 11-year-old Mark and 9-year-old John, they both got one in the back of the head. 18-year-old Don... Uh, she got one in the back of the head, all in their PJs, all in the exact same position, face down. Hmm. And so the, the mob connection was like apparently the father's uncle was part of the uh, Genovese crime family or whatever. And so, um, oh, also sidebar, uh, Amityville murder, the most haunted house in the world. A lot of people said that or the most haunted house in America. So that's the uh, that's the actual murder leading up to everything, and then so now they got to take Ronnie back to the uh, to the police house, and they just tell everyone, they tell the press and everyone, they say, "Oh, we're taking Ronnie Jr., aka Butch, <laughs> stupid name for this guy. Uh, we're gonna take him at the police house because the mob is around and they're apparently killing people." By the way, everyone, uh, I don't want to be an apologist or whatever. I'm just saying. I don't think the Italian mafia is into killing children. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> um, that might be like a Colombian mob kind of thing. I just think that the, the, the Italian mob, you know, honestly, they do a lot of horrible things, or they did whatever. I just don't think that they were the type. They were like, here's a six-year-old, blam, 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 blam. You know? Oh, this yeah. guy is behind on his gambling debts. Let me kill a six-year-old. Not with a thirty-five caliber lever <laughs> Just like going. I mean, that's the weird. Okay, so I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. The neighbors didn't hear any of these gunshots. There's there's plenty of conspiracies built in this Sean Esquire. So uh, the cops were like, "Oh, these bodies, bodies were not like just dead. They've been dead for a while." And then um, they take Ronnie in early in the morning of November fourteenth. He crumbles very quickly. He's not a smart guy. And then he's, he's just like, uh, it was the mob. And uh, I did it. I did it. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, somewhere in the process, he said, the voices from the house made me do it. Oh. Yeah. There's one dude. His name is Ryan uh, Katzenblock. Uh, and he did about two or three documentaries on all of this. He said that uh, the murders, there, there was likely a second murderer. And on top of that, he feels like the, the second murderer could have been, uh, I think, uh, Dawn, the daughter. Uh-huh. That it had started with either 
she was driving like, hey, let's go murder mom and dad. Or like, uh, you know, Ronnie was just an innocent bystander in all of this. And so the problem is when you start doing research on this story and everything, Ronnie, number one, is not a smart guy. Number two, was a drug addict. Uh, number three, a horrible murderer and, and killed uh, his own brothers and sisters, uh, children. He changed his story so many times from the murder to 1980 to 1985 to 2000. And so eventually you're just like, oh my God, this guy is just so full of it. He's just a horrible murderer. Oh, I heard voices. The devil made me do it or whatever. And so um, ultimately. <laughs> no, it was just the meth, you dumbass. Right. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> like meth is not that he was like, it takes, it takes the pounds off. Look at how ripped I am. <laughs> and then his whole family's dead. So don't do meth, anyone. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Like many ways to lose weight. Don't don't do the don't go the meth route. Just say no to that. So um, probably uh, it's like Ronnie changed his story like a thousand times, and then uh, he's like, oh, uh, the mob, and then and then and then there was a story about like he killed a. Uh, he killed his sister by accident because she killed everyone and they were like struggling for the gun, all kind of dumb crap. Now we get to October 14, 1975, the actual trial. Shout out, Squire. So this is your your wheelhouse, the trial. Oh, I, I didn't even cover this trial. What? <laughs> no, that's, no, that's fine. I sent it to you a thousand times. I am <laughs> so geeking out on Amityville right now. Shana Squire, just look at the trial. You Shana sent me a you sent me a picture of your scroll of notes. I just assumed you were covering all of it. Shana Squire's famous quote, everyone, which is by it's going on our hoodie, it's going on our hats. I saw you I, sent I, it. I saw you sent it. It's one of my favorite quotes ever, and it comes from our very own Sean Esquire trial, October 14, 1975, and the trial runs to November 21. So October 14 to November 21, Sean Esquire. It's over a for, month. For six murders in the 70s. I mean, there's the, there's, so there's no forensics evidence back then. There's no, like, DNA, whatever. Is that? Do you feel like, like that's long. You think that's long for six murders? I think so. Wow. That's crazy. So there's a bunch of stories, and then um, I will say there's a, a really, really fantastic website uh, like uh, Amityville Murders. This guy, uh, his name is um, uh, uh, Rick. No, it's not an Ancosa. Anyway, I'll I'll track it down here in a little bit. Um, of regarding all the whole hoaxes and everything like that. So what happened, Sean Esquire was the grandpa, Ron, Ronnie Jr.'s grandpa was footing the bill. And, um, and then eventually the bill got, you know, you know what lawyers do with 20 grand and 30 grand. Oh, you sent me an email. That's a thousand dollars. You know, what lawyers do. <laughs> those classic hourly billing rates. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, like this is 1970s money, 40 grand, 50 grand. By the way, the grandfather was the whole reason why the family had any money, right? Ronnie Sr. was not a huge success. The, no? the Ronnie's mom's dad was like the dude. He got like a Buick dealership and he did all this stuff. And so that was the reason why they were able to get that house and everything else. So uh, Ronnie ran out of money and the grandpa was like, hey, I'm not paying for your defense anymore because probably because you murdered my daughter mm -hmm. <laughs> and my grandkids. And then, so he had to do like a, like a public defender 
And then one of the first things Public Defender did, he was like, uh, insanity. Go with insanity. That's what we're going to go with. Apparently, Ronnie Jr. didn't want to do that. And then uh, the judge at that time, Judge Thomas Stark, great name, by the way, he called it the most heinous murders in the history of Suffolk County. Mm. So this is a, excuse me, hiccups, uh, great beer. Uh, Sean Esquire, this is a upstate New York. How old is this county, Suffolk County? Because, we, 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 you know, when you talk about, like, law cases in Texas, you're like, oh, the 1800s or whatever. So Suffolk, Suffolk County, New York. What are they? Uh, 1516. So many court cases back then. <laughs> 1683, going back to Suffolk County. Six, 1683. And so they tried the, 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 the insanity thing and all this other stuff. And then Sean Esquire, what do you, um, how, did the, how did the court case go? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing he was uh, found guilty and sentenced to death. So I don't, I don't know if they had the death penalty in New York at that time. He did get guilty of six counts. You, by the way, unan- unanimous from the jury, obviously, uh, of second degree murder. So six, oh. se- six sentences of twenty five years to life. Wow, that, that's the court case. Can, so he, can he, he went away for a long time. So. <laughs> Yeah, he died. He died in jail uh, uh, March of uh, 2021. He was age 69, and there's no like cause of death. That's the mystery. Apparently, if you go to jail forever for killing your entire family, like the pathologist is like, no one gives a shit, man. No one is going to do an <laughs> autopsy. No one cares. And and then all the internet people are like, oh. They don't want to reveal like he was killed by the CIA or whatever. No, man, he was a <laughs> murderer, piece of shit. He, he, he killed children. He killed his own. So, so uh, is this house is this house haunted? So I'm glad you asked. Thank you. Before we do that, can you do real fast? Because he got second degree. Can you do first, second, third, fourth degree murder? Well, it changes between states. This is the 1970s New York. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know there. So, like in Texas, you've got murder, mm-hmm. and then which is you know That's first degree felony. Not good. Don't don't do and, that. Say no to that. Then you also have capital murder, which is a capital felony, and that's where you can get life or death penalty. So, capital murder in Texas, you either kill more than one person, or you are you commit murder in the course of committing a felony so you're going to rob a bank and you shoot the bank teller mm-hmm. boom capital murder you could face the death penalty for that oh kill, really? one, kill one police officer capital murder but you kill you kill a bank person then you get you can get you can get death penalty if you were tr- committing a felony in the process so if you were if you just went in and shot the bank person and killed right. them that's just murder but if your intent was to commit robbery mm-hmm. and you kill the bank teller in the process of the robbery, it now enhances it to the capital felony where you face death penalty. Yeah, that's fair. What if I was trying to commandeer five hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> I got these I got these bills over here. I would like I'm to not, commandeer. I'm not trying to rob you, I'm just trying to reappropriate some oh, funds. Yeah, I mean, you know, the country was started on a on a tea party. Uh, and there's like 
there's third and fourth degree murder or just like one, two, three, or we, we don't have degrees in, in Texas. Okay. I don't know about yeah. other weird States. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He got second degree murder. I think about like a black belt, like I'm a second degree black belt. Like, you've, been, <laughs> you've been going to the YMCA for a month. Right. I don't know what that means. Like, I just don't think like second degree is what you think. Like I think about second degree burns. Those are bad. Yeah, so those, Texas. Those hurt. <laughs> That's the worst. So, so Texas is not first degree, second degree, third degree murder. No. 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 Okay. Do you, do you feel like that's old school nomenclature? Well, I think other states probably have that. Mm-hmm. Um, the way our laws are written here, we we just don't have like degrees of murder. Right. It's just capital and the other one. Just felony murder. Fel- okay. First degree felony it. or capital felony. Yeah. You're going to get the needle or you're going you're gonna to go away for a long time. You're going to be some giant man's girlfriend. Right. You commit murder, it's 5 to 99 or life. You commit capital, it's your life or death sentences. <sighs> Oof. Not, not, not good odds there. Uh, December 1975. Now... It's George and Kathleen Lutz, everybody. Oh, the so, Lutz, the pretzel people. <laughs> Sean Esquire, sometimes uh, God closes a door and opens a window. So sometimes there's a murder and there's a bunch of people killed and some of them are children and that's horrible and sad and that's mm-hmm. everything. But sometimes uh, a young couple that's, uh, you know, Looking for the deal of a century. Then they Looking find to ride some horses. <laughs> oh, my ribs. Ah, totally worth it. <laughs> so, <laughs> George and Kathleen Lutz, right? 1975. They find the deal of a century. They find this great house. By the way, I'll just say the Amityville house, right? That it has that uh, facade that, uh, yeah. you know, looks, it looks like a pumpkin, right? China Square. I'm doing I'm doing some foreshadowing right now. Looks like a pumpkin. Looks like a pumpkin okay. face, like a jack o' lantern. Like a, oh okay. It looks like a jack o' lantern on that on that uh, on that but face. The house table. looks like With a jack o' lantern. The quarter windows it looks like a face. If you've seen like Amityville Horror, the like the one from the seventies uh, or whatever, or, or the. By the way, also everyone, there's a huge truckload of movies and dumb movies regarding this whole story. And you can avoid pretty much all of them. You know, like it looks like a barn house. Looks like a barn house. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a good chunk of property. Like I said, it's got the boathouse. Um, you think got, we can still pick it up for under hundred k? Not hundred k. You're getting a little ahead of us, which is a, which is okay. It's okay. You can drop a seed here and there. So December. So honestly, like this is like fourteen months later, right? Six people murdered, and then uh, four of them children. So they so, the the grandpa sold the house. Uh, I think the bank got it. Oh. So um, yeah, the the grandpa was this this he might be the most tragic figure in the whole thing. Honestly, I mean, he lost his daughter, mm-hmm. right? He lost all his grandkids, and then one of his grandkids was like the well, they didn't lose them. They were murdered. yeah the one of the grandkids was like the devil made me do it i'm like uh yeah meth and uh you stupid whatever and then um 
so yeah, the whole the whole story. Like I said, uh, regarding Ronnie Jr., he had so many. Look, uh, it was the devil, and it was this, and whatever. I just I don't have sympathy for those people. You know that that scene from um, from the bat the Brad Pitt movie from uh, Seven. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, great movie. Hey, how, how what's, he, what's in the box? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, he he makes a joke about like, oh, these guys, these lunatic guys, like, oh, uh, the devil made me do it, and Jodie Foster's dog made me do it, and I, yeah, I'm I feel that, like, I just don't have any sympathy for these people that are horrible people. So yeah, R Ronnie Jr. deserved to rot in jail. That's what he did. He he deserved more than that. Uh, 1975, about 14 months, 13, 14 months after the murders, George and Kathleen Lutz, they're like, oh my God, this is a great deal. Why is, <laughs> I, can't believe, I cannot believe we found this property for 80K. What is going on? And then the real estate, I don't know if it was a law or whatever back then, the real estate agent was like, hey, uh, heads up, murder, <laughs> murder house. And then George and Kathleen were like, Oh man, holy mackerel, a murder. That's crazy. And the real estate agent was like, Yeah, uh, it's not a murder. <laughs> so few <laughs> murders here. So anyway, uh the real estate agent did tell them and apparently George It, it and... was a killer deal. <laughs> Bravo, Sean Esquire. I am I am drinking to that. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, they landed that they landed that gorgeous Amityville property with the uh, with the jack o' lantern face with those like quarter windows and everything. Uh, 80 eighty k in nineteen seventy five, right? Again, like I said, 13, 14 months after the murders, they move in December the eighteenth. So she has three kids. Kathleen has three kids from a previous marriage, and and George is there. And uh, also, uh, I'll give a little aside here regarding. Uh, the book, right? The Amityville Horror book is uh, from this dude, Jay Anson. It's a few years later. It's 1977. Uh, and um, he's like tries to pass it off as a, as a true story. And then uh, the other, this is how it all, like, there's a book in 77 and then the movie in 79. And the movie in 79 was like insanely, insanely successful. Sean Esquire, can we talk about the night? I, I watched the 1979 movie. By the way, who's in the 1979 movie? Um, Amityville mm, horror movie. Uh, the the Amityville house is in the movie. Mm, uh, it's probably like a soundstage situation. Steve Spielberg uh, directed. S Dog. Uh, so, <laughs> Sam Jackson. Uh, I think he would have been like 10 years old. So this is the kind of stuff, everyone, that you won't get on any podcast ever. 1979 <laughs> Amityville horror movie. Right, the book was 77. By the way, the book was like huge, insane, insane success. Uh, 1979 movie. James Brolin is the dude, right? James the, Brolin. The murderer? No. <laughs> No, 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 no. We're we're into the haunting part now. The murder is all done. Oh, the, the first scene of the murder of the movie of the nineteen seventy nine movie is, is like uh, Ronnie Junior going around like shooting, shooting everyone. Right. Yeah, he shot his parents twice in the back, and then he shot his you know siblings like in the face and everything. 
and then uh and then the neighbors never heard the shots right that's still out there and then and then and then the cops found everybody face down so that's mysterious supposedly and then so the 1979 movie james brolin so james brolin was married to josh uh, brolin. <laughs> it was very good um the lady you're killing you're killing me it doesn't matter james brolin james, james brolin had a kid and his kid was josh brolin you're correct is uh josh brolin goonies so that's cool right barbara streisand by the way james brolin was married to barbara streisand i don't think that she was the mom of, of josh brolin jo- josh brolin uh, goonies and also he was thanos oh I, 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 okay everyone fans of the show uh, sean esquire is not like a marvel uh movie guy he's not like but a, a, i know like, thanos he's got the rings right like he's got Lord some of the rings i mean <laughs> he likes jewelry right yeah. He calls that show at like three in the morning. Like, I'd like to buy all those rings, please. So James Brolin, 1979, Amityville. He has a kid. Uh, I don't think the mom is uh, Barbara Streisand. Uh, Josh Brolin, it was, he's from Goonies, and also he's dad. It, uh, sorry, he's also uh, Thanos. And then also... Um, I don't ever think I saw the Goonies. Oh, my God. What is wrong with you? Turn in your American card and go back to <laughs> communist Russia right now. <laughs> Who has never seen the Goonies? I don't think I've ever saw that. James Brolin, Amityville 79, right? And then uh, his kid later on became uh, Goonies and Thanos. And then Ryan Reynolds did Amityville in 2005 remake. uh, Ryan Reynolds was Deadpool, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And Josh Brolin was Thanos. And so... There's DC, and then 1979 Amityville with James Brolin. There's Margot Kidder, who is Lois Lane in DC Superman in the 80s. So there's a DC and Marvel connection right there. You're welcome, everyone. No one else will will hammer that down. Sean Esquire, I was hoping you'd be way more excited than that. So George is 28, and uh, Kathy is around 30. She's got three kids from a previous marriage. And then, uh, then they have a they have a lot of furniture or money or anything. So guess what they did? They go ahead. Go was ahead. It, was the Ryan Reynolds one like a comedy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. he's, he's a funny guy. No, he he is a funny guy. No, he he does your soccer show that you like. Yeah, welcome to Wrexham. <laughs> he's funny in that. He's funny in that. So there you go. You've got you got a Ryan Reynolds soccer connection to Amityville. Um, no, the two thousand and the two thousand and five Ryan Reynolds Amityville is not particularly funny. It's not like whoa, what's it's going on? Like, it's not like go. Evil Dead Two. <laughs> no, there's no slapstick. It's it's um it's pretty good. By the way, I like the original. I, I like the 1979. By the way, I probably none of the other. 20 movies or 20 whatever Amityville movies are worth watching. Uh, so when George and Kathy moved in in 1975, they have a lot of money. And so uh, what do they do about like furniture, Sean Esquire? Um, they they filled sacks with hay to make chairs 
for like the living quarters. Um, mm. And, and probably used one of those giant, you know, cable spools, but they turn it on its side. So it'd be a nice coffee table for them. Yeah, 40 pizza boxes. Oh, look at me. I got a coffee table like it's college in 1998. No, Sean Esquire. Not everyone's family MacGyver's furniture like your weird uh, trailer park (laughs) family. So, no. What they did, they did something even better. So, George was like, hey, what happened to the uh, old furniture that used to be here? Oh. (laughs) Like, you mean the murder furniture? He's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. He, he had a conversation with Kathy. He was like, you know, these people were murdered. It doesn't matter, the dead or the dead. I think he said something to that effect. He was like, the dead or the dead. And then uh, they said, oh, um, I guess we have the furniture in storage. He's like, sold, I'll take it. So he took the furniture. And guess what? He slept on the bed frame, supposedly. Again, I don't know if I believe every story. They, him and his wife slept on the bed frame of the bed where the murder happened and the children also slept on bed frames okay, like okay but, but it wasn't the no, mat- there's no mattress no, no yeah. mattress Sean and Squire there's no mattress they weren't like sleep on this bloody mattress with a bunch of brain matter splattered all yeah, over I'm, it I'm okay with that <laughs> a mattress is a mattress you guys know what a ma- what a new mattress cost in this day and age right? you just lay you just lay on it and you're just like Ah, my lumbar feels so good. I don't. So want... they get a fully furnished home with a boathouse and a large lot of land. It's for it's eighty a, grand, right? For the nineteen. It's 1970s. a killer deal. It's a killer deal. Oh, Sean Esquire, you're the best ever. I love you. Uh, yeah. So they did. The story goes is that they also got the furniture from the murder, and that um. Like the daughter's bedroom set, the daughter's bedroom set, bedroom furniture and dining room. And then I think that the real estate agent was like, okay, that's cool. You want the murder beds? And they threw in like seven ACs and two washers and dryers and whatever else. So Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic. And then... um, An NPC. she, (laughs) She brings in this guy... Uh, again, so from the book to the movie to actuality, I'm saying the reality. Sorry, there's there's a there's a huge disconnect there, but I, uh, I I will say that there's a back and forth story regarding them bringing in this priest who ultimately came out as Ralph Pecorano. Pecorano. Pecor- Pecor- That's a cheese, I think. Pecor. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's New York. I feel like a lot of people are like, Oh, this is the mob connection. (laughs) The the priest guy. So, uh, uh, let me, let me, uh, take a quick break. Uh, everyone go get some, some beer because my, my beer is running out of here. Shiner Oktoberfest. I love it. And, uh, you're going to love this, uh, this, sound bite coming up yeah all right you gotta be scared everyone terrified hold on to your pint hold on to your pants my family's mrs lutz asked her parish priest to stop by and bless the house this blessing began in the sewing room and seemed to set off a chain reaction which would jeopardize the lives of everyone involved because of criticism later leveled by other church officials 
The priest has never before talked to anyone in the media. Until now. Sarchov was able to locate him, and he agreed to tell us his story. But only if he could remain anonymous. I was blessing um, the sewing room. It was cold. It was really cold in there. And I thought, you know, gee, that's, this is peculiar. You know, because it was a lovely day out. And uh, it was winter, yes, but I, it didn't account for that kind of coldness. I, I also sprinkling holy water. And I heard a, a rather deep voice behind me saying, get out. It seemed so directed toward me that I was really quite startled. I felt a slap at one point on the face. I felt somebody slap me and there was nobody there. Strange events also affected the priest who blessed the house. He discovered blisters were festering on his hands. I went to the doctor for it, yes, and he couldn't explain it. He thought it might be caused by anxiety, and of course that's, that's feasible. Um, but I, I don't think I'm given over to psychosomatic responses. He called the Lutzes to warn George and Kathy. That's an old, old phone. That's a very old phone. Noise interference prevented any communication. He could never get through. I don't think that's very nice of the demons to like jack with your phone, like you're trying to like make phone phone calls or whatever. A couple things here, uh, Ralph uh, Pecorero, right? The the priest, Peco Pecorio, right? Uh, number one. Uh, and then he like went home. A lot of people said, "Oh, he he went home and he had stigmata on the palm of his hands." Everyone. Oh boy, stop being dumb. The Romans, when they crucify people, even Christ, uh, you can't hang people up by their palms, everybody. Uh, it doesn't work. That's not how the human body or gravity works. They uh, nailed the nail for uh, Jesus, if you're uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Or if you're not, then that's fine too. I mean, they, they nail people to crosses, whether you like it or not. Uh, messiahs or, or otherwise. So, uh, yeah, it, it, the wrist is where the, the stigmata goes. People are like, I got stigmata on the palm of my hand. I'm like, mm, that's not where Jesus got the um, nail or whatever. Anyway, so, yeah, he went home. The priest, he was like, oh, I got it on my hands. <laughs> hey, uh, Catholic priest guy, got to wash your hands there, buddy. <laughs> I don't know what you're getting into with all of your with all your getting slapped by a demon. But anyway, yeah, that he had come out and he said, oh, something slapped me and then this room and there was a bunch of flies. And so he told the family, he was like, don't put, don't make this a bedroom. Don't do it. It's all like weird and horrible and everything. So before I get into the actual hauntings, I'll say George Lutz was into the occult and post like years and years and years later, um, the boys, uh, Chris and Danny, you know, the, um, Kathleen's boys that, uh, they had blamed George Lutz's, uh, interest in the occult. Like, Oh, we would have never, <laughs> we would have never had all those hauntings and everything. If stupid George hadn't been like, uh, praying to uh, black spirits or whatever. Anyway, here we go. 
the hauntings of the Amityville Sean Esquire. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Hauntings of Amityville. Uh, George Lutz, he used to wake up at uh, 3 a.m., 3.15 a.m. all the time. What? And, and again, this is covered in the... That's in the, scary. <laughs> this is covered in the, in the movie, in the 1979 movie with uh, James Brolin. Uh, also, I, I, I skipped over this. What is the star of the James Brolin 1979 movie, Amityville Horror, Am- Amityville Horror House, whatever? What's the main star in that movie, Sean Esquire? Um, no idea. James Brolin's hair, dude. Have you seen oh, that movie? His hair guy? You... <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm going to admit I'm very jealous of James Brolin 1979 Amityville horror hair. It's like a helmet hair. It's really Ooh. cool, man. It's like very thick and uh, it's not really a mullet, but it's kind of a mullet. It's that like seventies, like I'm gonna go in the woods and build a log cabin in thirty minutes. It's that kind of it's that kind of look. Anyway, so uh, the the hauntings, the actual haunt. Now we get to the hauntings there. Uh, then there was a there were knocks at the door like three fifteen. By the way, three fifteen. That's when the they think the murders happen, right? Also, three fifteen is like the witching hour. I don't know. Uh, I've been I've been in some houses like three a.m. every night. There's like you know <laughs> whatever. There's some, 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 weird, some weird shit goes on in some of the places that I've stayed in my life. And then uh, apparently, uh, George had all these personality changes. He was like, "Oh, I'm angry." He became disheveled again. All covered in the movie. And then he was constantly so cold, so cold. He's constantly cold. You know that priest was like, "Oh, it's cold over here." Old houses are drafty. <laughs> mm. They have that really cool, um, that cool um, insulation. It's like ninety percent asbestos. Asbestos, yeah. <laughs> in, the old, in the olden days, you'd be like, "I'm so warm. Why are my lungs so?" <laughs> fibrosed like that's that's asbestos stupid and like mm, it's fine uh yeah so all the hauntings that happen with the uh, with the lutz family uh he's constantly cold and he's burning fires and then kathy uh she'd go into a room and she's like oh there's a ghost hand touching me and then there was like swarms of flies in the in the one room i think it was like the sewing room and that's in the movie and then plus Oh, by the way, China Square, you know, they move there in uh, in December, right? So there shouldn't be a bunch of flies. It's not summertime. They're like, there's thousands of flies in this one room. Well, are they leaving a bunch of food out? <laughs> exactly. There's, you know, there's some reasonable explanations here, everybody. Uh, and then there was, a, oh boy, the, the kid, Melissa, the little girl, she said, um, oh, there's, uh, I've got a friend and it's, uh, it's this, uh, a floating pig and he's got like uh red eyes and he's like you're gonna live here forever and, and his name is jody that was a whole story there um also people were like oh the demonic pig and that's not cool man yeah no one knows that the not the nomination of that pig and people right. do that they're like oh the demonic dog i'm like could be could be a buddhist dog dude that's not nice of you like just assume a dog's they're like oh the pig had red eyes or the the dog the demonic dog had red maybe maybe he had conjunctivitis dude did you get off your ass 
and do like uh, some eye drops, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it's not all about you all the time. So then there was uh, there was the like the floating pig, and then George he saw too. Then there was people running uh, running on the floorboards at night, like oh what's going on? And the doors and windows were like slamming open and closed all the time, like ah. Uh, and uh, and then there was goo. Shana's part. You, you, <laughs> you ever goo in your house? <laughs> Just like random goo. There's like goo, like coming out of the walls and whatever. So yeah, in the movie, in the movie, it's like coming out of the walls. Ultimately, George, he was like, it wasn't the walls. It was coming out of the, <laughs> it was coming out of the keyholes. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's even better. Mm -hmm. Also, what in God's name is going on with the ghost that they're like? goo everywhere ghost come on there's there's a time and a place over there <laughs> there's the the rocker chair right the classic i love this the like the rocker chair was going back and forth and then um like uh there was like the goo was like green and red and black and then they said oh the china turned black and the water and the toilet turned black and like uh, uh, all right guys you got it Got to call it, call a plumber there. This uh, this takes us to uh, oh yeah. By the way, there like the door was practically blown off the hinges by the ghost or whatever. And then the people that moved in after them they were like, "Door's fine, everybody. There's no <laughs> not blown off the hinges." Anyway, so January 14, 1976, Right? How long was the family in the house before they were like, "We got to get out of here," right? You, Remember when, like, you would watch scary movies when you were a kid, and they were like, "Get out of the house!" Right? So there was a ghost that told the priest, "Like, get out!" Apparently, according to the priest, and they were like, "Oh, by the way, I didn't mention all this." That was the first day, dude. The first day of them moving in, they were like, "We got to get a priest to like bless the house," and the priest was like, "I'm gonna go over here," and then you know there was a voice like, "Get out!" I don't know. I mean, it, it might have been like, "Get out!" It might have been like, like super, like, uh, like. <laughs> Yeah, it might have been effeminate. We don't know. And then, uh, anyway, that was the first day. And they said, like, the first day, the dog, like, tried to hang himself on the leash. All of that. Within the first 10 minutes of the house or whatever. Anyway, so, um, you know, like, uh, whenever uh, you move into a house and you're like, oh, um, the ghost told me to get out. Like, I should get out. So, from the time that they moved in to get out, like, what do you think? Like, a year, two years, three years? I bet these. I bet they stayed there a good 15 years. <laughs> That's a good property, man. They got a boathouse and all kinds of shit, right? right? Yeah, yeah, free uh, furniture. Mm. I think the Wi-Fi was shit. You know why? Because they only made it 28 days. That's why they oh. made it 28 days. So January 14, 1976. Um, to this, well, I say to this day, they're all yeah, mostly they're all dead now. I, I'm George is dead and the wife is dead. Uh, because of old age. Uh, so um, he said the lights stayed on and then uh, the kids' beds were like bouncing up and down. The wife, this is in the movie also, the wife, I say the movie, it, it, fictional movie, she like became old in front of his face. So, yeah, she became a old yeah, lady. And it happens. <laughs> it's like, get out of here, you. You look 35. You're gross. And then uh, <laughs> and she like levitated. <laughs> levitated off the bed the dog was uh like throwing up and and then uh, oh this is one of my favorite parts all this shit's going on right and then the dude the dad george 
what what was he doing? Uh, like, oh, the kids' beds are popping up and down. The wife is levitating. The dog is throwing up. Whatever. The blood I'm sure is coming he's the like just downplaying all of it. Like, right. just go back to bed. Jesus Christ! I got to work in the morning. Kind kind of. You're not on the right track. He said that he was stuck to the bed and like the demon or whatever was like holding him down. Did he break like, a rib? <laughs> no, man, no. But but also, I'm telling you, Sean Esquire, I'm very concerned because in my house, I don't know what's going on if like it's your house on an Indian burial ground or whatever. But mm-hmm. sometimes in my house, it's like, hey, it's time to take out the trash. Or, hey, get out there and go, like, dig up all the tomatoes and then, uh, like, throw out your back. And then recently I've been like, ah, the ghost is holding me down. I can't do it. I'm going (laughs) to sit on the couch and watch the Astros lose, apparently. God damn. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It was a great series. It doesn't matter. But anyway, sometimes the ghost holds you down, and then Mm -hmm. your family's like, oh, you got to come on, get on over here and um, do much chores on your days off. And I'm like, I wish. Oh, my God. I wish I could. I'm so mad right now. Stupid ghost is holding me down. I would love to get up, throw my back out, do a bunch of cleaning out the garage for the 50th time or whatever. So anyway, that, you know, that happens, everybody. That's probably, that's how ghosts work. Don't question it. And then, uh, anyway, so then, um, <laughs> they like bail and, uh, to the, like to this dying day, George would never really tell the whole story about the last night that they were there. There was a bunch of stories about like, they never went back and they never got their stuff and whatever. That's because uh, well, yeah, and- all the stuff was the other people's. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had like he had like motorcycles and stuff. No, that that dude, um, Rick Osuna, right? O S U N A. He's mm-hmm. the one that has like um like that great website. He talks about. He's basically like debunking all of the BS. And and as a science guy, I I like the debunking people. You know, high high five to all of them. Um, the story continues to get uh very very interested. Uh, interesting right uh then um there was uh george and kathy they do like this press conference and then they like hired this guy like oh you're gonna be like the paranormal guy but apparently he was like a vampire specialist something they told him don't do a press conference and then he did a press conference so guess what the next day george and kathy are like well we'll do a press conference So, (laughs) so so oh george and kathy do a press conference who do they do a press conference with? Anderson Cooper. <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be a good one. That'd be a good choice. I mean, he was probably like eight years old at the time. But oh, Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> Wolf Blitzer was probably eighty years old at the time <laughs> in the seventies. Uh, they do a press conference with William Weber. William Weber was Ronnie Junior's defense attorney. <laughs> he was oh. the defense attorney of the kid. I say the kid, he was 23. He was an adult. The, the original murder guy. So then uh, George, uh, he told uh, the pre- he told everyone, hey, we're, you know, we're trying to work with this Weber guy. And then it was a, like a huge night, a nightmare. And then it came out that Weber was, of course, because he's an attorney. Shannon Squire, do you know any like sleazy attorneys? 
Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> so, yeah, so Weber, the attorney, he was like gunning for a book deal and a movie deal and all of this stuff. And then on top of that, it came out that whatever he was going to get from the book deal, movie deal, I don't know, 5%, 10%, whatever, was going to go to Ronnie, the murderer. Oh. Right. Yeah, this is back in the 70s. So back in the 70s, somebody that murdered people, you could profit from your crime. Makes sense. Uh, well, <laughs> not anymore, right? Aren't there like like federal federal laws that you can't profit? Like you can't murder 10 people and then sell your rights to Warner Brothers and make a million dollars, right? I thought that was a thing. Yeah, uh, you know, I've got to look into that. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> put that, put that <laughs> on follow-up. <laughs> Put that, put that on follow. So yeah, so the um, the Lutz family once they found out that Weber like a portion of whatever was going to go to the, to Ronnie Jr. that murdered his family, they were like, "We're out of here." No. So I think that's I think that's good. You know, that gives them some credibility. But the bigger thing now is February seventy six. Ed and Lorraine Warren roll into the story. Who are who are they? Oh, <clears throat> who's Ed and Lorraine uh, Warren, Sean Squire? They uh, they were inventors. Mm-hmm. Um, they they warmer. invented the, the hacky sack. Getting warmer. Keep going. Um, and Keep it, going. But it, the hacky sack was designed to mm-hmm. be played with uh, other spirits. So you might you might be hitting the hacky sack with yourself, and then you know. Boom! Dead, dead ghost band. Cancer kicks it right. back to you. No, they had. You know, I mean, you're on the right track. They had a. They had a hacky sack. There was a lot of dispute regarding like um, cancer rates. But uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, you might know them as the uh, um, originators, whatever the uh, the inspiration for the the Conjuring. You know about the Conjuring? Oh yeah, it's a movie. It's like 15 movies. There's a bunch of movies. It's them. They were paranoid. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, I got a ghost. It's called Hiccups. <laughs> paranormal investigators, right? And um, and they were uh, they did a lot of uh, ghost stuff. <laughs> they did a lot of speculating everything. And so um, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to grab another beer and then. Anna Lorraine Warren, I, I don't know. I, I want to believe them, but uh, everyone grab a beer. We'll be right back. What is it? I said to him, I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. That was Lorraine Warren, the wife of Ed Warren. Who uh, they were the demonologist specialist, uh, I, I, I like parapsychologist specialist, whatever, and uh, they did check out the Amityville ho- house, and then uh, she said uh, evil is in this house. So lots of famous quotes from her. They ultimately they were able to uh, they bring in other psychics, quote unquote other psychics, and then uh, the camera guy he got chest pain. And he was like, oh, this is a chest pain. It's probably, it's probably the evil spirits. I'm like, mm, you don't think it's like coronary artery disease? Cause <laughs> it's on the cheeseburgers. <laughs> and then uh, one of them, 
they saw like uh, the little girl face uh, apparently again well one of the psychics they like they threw up and there was like they threw holy water on the floor and it was sizzling like a like a water burger when you uh when you like you know you're sizzling a burger uh shout mm-hmm. out to fire just like craving a burger now and then why, uh and then <laughs> why would the the people that died in the house be shitty ghosts you think it would be good ghosts they'd be like hey everybody yeah like, <laughs> the ghost, my, my brother my shot me out. not a big deal <laughs> right and and they were only 13 right the girl oh my god they were so young the kids well i mean you know the parents died they were adults both the right. parents died but right? like the the kids i mean they're they're got they already have scrawny arms like yeah. the ghosts aren't going to be strong ronnie ronnie the murderer guy uh ronnie jr he was 23 at the time and then you know he killed his whole family so the kids are just there stuck in the house whatever is it because so- the son was a shithead that the other kids are also shitheads and i mean the son got he he died in prison so that's not fair right you're like a little kid like oh i got murdered like well you're gonna stay you're gonna stay in this house in new york guess i'll be a crap ghost (laughs) (laughs) And, and like other people are like i'm gonna go to heaven and like do heaven stuff i'm like i guess i'll stay down here because i'm six like, it wasn't my fault <laughs> i got shot whatever that's not fair everybody so and uh anyway i'll i'll tell everyone you know all these documentaries and everything i watched uh, a lot of the ed and lorraine warren you know they're the parapsychologist um i want to believe them i feel like they believe them right um the the warren dude i'm sorry <laughs> ed ed warren uh, he seems like a fairly religious guy. Uh, as a man of science, I'm not really buying it. And at the end of the day, I was like, oh, how much money do they make? Oh, by the way, um, the um, George and Kathy, ultimately, 300 k That's what they made. I think, nice. that's, I think that's 300 k 1970s money because nobody gave a shit when it was like 1985. They were like, hey, the Amityville. I'm like, uh, come on. Uh, James Brolin with his uh, with amazing amazing hair like that was that was way back then. So anyway, the uh, Ed and Lorraine they brought in the, uh, the 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 team of psychics as like the all star. You remember you remember the nineties like they had the uh, the dream team. Miss Cleo, oh. <laughs> the dream team for the Olympics, like uh, uh, Olajuwon and Clyde Barkler. Clyde, mm-hmm. right, right. This is like uh, the dream team psychics, so whatever. They they roll them in, and like I put holy water on the floor, and it's sizzling. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> I guess that proves something. And then, the floor is hot. <laughs> out of all of this, right? Out, out of all, listen. So I, I'm not the most. Uh, I I like aliens. I say I like it anyway. When people do the ghost stuff, I'm like, eh, okay, that's fine. Um, but out of everything that I was checking out and reading and everything, there's a thing I sent you, Sean, I, Sean Esquire. I saw you sent uh, it. Probably. With the kid. Do you remember the kid with a, like the creepy ghost picture? Mm, 
I don't remember it. I put it on our X page, everyone. I put it on our X page. Shavez Choir doesn't look, but that's fine. So yeah, so what happened? The uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren they did they did this in one of the movies. I say whatever the reimagination of them, and they they put up a camera, and the camera is like uh, a picture every minute or whatever. And then they went back and they looked at all the pictures, and they're like, "It's a staircase. It's a staircase." It's a staircase. And like, what? There's a little child there. Uh, where did that come? And the child is the ghost of the little boy that was murdered. Um, oh, you're yeah. talking about the video where it shows like, uh, like I talking about the thing that I put on our X page regarding the child and the it ghost? It was like child. a reflection <laughs> off of a door. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, is it the thing that you put on our on our on our formerly known as Twitter X page, right? Everyone, <laughs> Doc Law Podcast, right? That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. It was Sorry. a reflection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the theories was like it was actually one of the cameramen, and he was on his knees and all this stuff. And the white eyes was because of they used this special camera lens and blah 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 blah. So the other thing, when you're getting into like the hoax land, that guy, uh, Weber, was the lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how, like like lawyers like ruin the fun all the time. He was like, "Oh, I got with the with the Lutzes. I got with uh, George and Kathy, and we came up with this whole story. And then and then uh, that's why that's why we got to everything. And then um, you know, we we just wanted to make a buck. And then so uh, the um, Weber guy." So when you go down the rabbit hole of Amityville, there's so many great things. Honestly, the 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 kid picture really scared the shit out of me. I was really I got the chills and all that stuff. Got the hair on my neck standing up. It might not be real. It's probably not real. I'm not like big on ghost stuff. I I, I like alien stuff. And then uh, so on like the the whole hoax fake, the uh, George he said oh. The slime didn't come down the walls. It came out of the out of the keyhole. It wasn't, it was, <laughs> wasn't a real thing. And then there was a like the I told you the conspiracy theory that Dawn did the murder and she handed the gun to her to her brother and then uh and then ultimately then they they were all just trying to make a buck and all this other stuff. So oh the here here's I mean, people like the bottom line. People have lived in that house since then, Sean Esquire. Oh, I'm sure. There's right? probably nothing wrong with the house. I mean, do you know about the people that have lived there since then? No. So, there, so yeah, there was. we talked about the George and Kathy, like 75, right? And then there was another family that moved in right after them. Mm-hmm. And the family that moved in right after them, the dad, shot all of them to death, Right. Eh, it sounds like an excuse to murder. And then the family that moved in after that, the dad shot everyone to death. It just yeah, like he right. none of that happened. Everyone, that's all. That's a joke. <laughs> it would be great if everyone <laughs> moved in. None of that happened. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyone? Uh, yeah, that's the Amityville. It's a great book. The book is scary as shit, and the actual story and the murder and everything and Sean Esquire was going to tell us all about the trial, but uh, he didn't really tell us about the trial. And it was, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, oh, there was, it basically came down to, we're going to do the uh, insanity thing. And um, yes, Amityville, fantastic. 
don't need to watch the other 20 movies or whatever i like the one with uh, james brolin and at the end of the day this whole story really boils down don't do myth. james brolin's hair in that movie is amazing what did he do what conditioner is that guy using holy hell all right so that's a that's my that's my Amityville take and um, really 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 good. Uh, everyone also like I said, lots of rabbit holes there. Shout out Squire, Kooky Spooky, Kooky mm-hmm. Kooky Spooky. What do you got on your end? Um, this is this is Kooky. October twentieth, nineteen seventy seven, the crash of Leonard Skinner plane. Mm. Do you know Very about this? Bad. Oh no, I I know a little bit about this, and and I'm an American, so I love pretty much everything Leonard Skinner. Okay, so the 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 crazy part about this plane crash was they had just released a new album two days before, and on the cover of that album, the band was on fire. And then the plane crash happened. And then they changed. Was the name of the album, Please Be Careful, Don't Get on a Plane Because Plane plane Might Crash. And that's what might happen. And I hope that I don't die on a plane because that's that's a distinct possibility. Is that the name of the album? I I think that was the long form of it. Yeah. (laughs) What What a spooky thing to happen, though, huh? Like, oh, we're going to release an album. Bands on fire. Two days later, plane crashes. Bands on fire. Then they change the out. Not everybody died in the plane crash. The band's still around, just not all the original people. Well, yeah, Leonard Skinner has had a lot of um, permutations through the years. I don't know if they have any of the original members now. It seems to be one of these things, like the Dread Pirate Roberts, you know, mm. from. <laughs> It's like there's a dude, and then he gets the story passed down, and, and you know, so uh, no great band, and the premonition wise, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to look back and see what was going on, but I think it's really really creepy that the name of that album was, oh my god, if my plane doesn't go down because I don't want to be burned alive, and then if the plane goes down, I'm going to burn alive, and then I, and then I don't like planes, and then something's bad going to happen, mm-hmm. volume one. I mean, that's the first one. (laughs) I'm sorry, Leonard Skinner family. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I'm sorry. It's very mean. Dying on a plane is one of my biggest fears. I'm I'm very, even though I know statistically, uh, statistically speaking, that's like one of the best ways to go. I'm I'm sorry, Shannon Squire. That's one of the best ways to go? The plane? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I guess it is better than lead poisoning. <laughs> you're on well. The problem is, um, you know, if you're on a plane, like thirty thousand feet, and the, like a wing snaps off, mm-hmm. then you're like, then you're like, ha, ah, ha, ha. So there's a long way to go there. It's not good at all. <laughs> so if the wing snaps off at like a thousand feet ish, again, mm-hmm. I'm sorry about the ish, everybody. I'm I'm working on that. The plane might go down, and you're like, 
taking a breath to scream and then smash. I mean, but I mean, my, my dream has always been that a atomic bomb would land right next to me while I'm having a coffee. Like, I'm just like, just enjoying life. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Hey, did you, did you see that, that giant guy fall down the flight of stairs? That's it. Or like that that (laughs) Titanic submarine thing where you just like implode immediately. (laughs) No, I just, I feel like if an atomic bomb landed right next to me, I wasn't, I didn't see it or whatever. Uh Like it, it would just vaporize me. And then, you know, at the end of the day, 95% 95% of life is just like, I want to die in the most, the least painful, humiliating way, period. I like that, but humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen, I've seen the internet. There's people that are just like, oh, you, you know, um, have you guys ever masturbated? Like, yeah, I mean, people, people have, and then people are like, have you, ever, have you ever choked yourself while I'm like, no, uh, no. And they're like, well, sometimes it ends in death. <laughs> like, why can't you just masturbate and not die? <laughs> and like, well, your family's going to come home and they're going to find you with the belt around your neck. And it's getting, you know, it's going to be a whole thing. I'm like, no, <laughs> what was, what was wrong with the regular masturbation that everyone's been doing for millions of years why did you feel the need to put a belt around your neck (laughs) your family went to the store to get milk and eggs and they found you like that's an electronic electronic blow-up doll plugged into a wall outlet (laughs) i'm not here to judge people i'm telling everyone like you know life is not easy there's a lot of hard things out there and everyone has to find their own happiness in their own way and love is love and whatever else. But that being said, uh, there are uh, like uh, regular masturbation things that are like time tested, like uh, very uh, historic. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to be like, oh, let's inject the element of the possibility of death. <laughs> Like, why? Why would you do that? Like, this probably oh, went down a rabbit hole from plane crashes. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm just saying. Like, um, I'm saying, I'm saying this as a as a physician that um, I, I work a lot of weekends and and uh, night uh, nighttime, and uh, you know that's when people decide to do weird and horrible things and i just don't think it's fair to their family that they decided to to crank it up whatever again i'm not here to judge i know you know people want to go their own way but anyway shout out choir thank you so much for uh, for bringing us uh, all the all the knowledge <laughs> and everyone psa maybe just be like a normal and uh if you're gonna choke yourself have a friend sitting in the room with a cigarette or whatever, like just, you know, safety. People have safety words. Have a safety friend if that's right. what you're 
Don't make your family come home and find you. I'm sorry. I'm only saying that because that's a real thing, people. People do that stuff. I'm sorry. Shadow Squire, please save us from this segue. Please pull us out. Um, <laughs> let's see. We, oh, I didn't cover this, but yeah. you put Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, we're not. <clears throat> we're not? No, I, I mean, I, you. thank you. Oh, You're, good. <laughs> we are, no, you are definitely on the right track. Okay. There was yes. a massacre. They massacred chainsaws in Texas. You know what? We're going we're gonna to do uh, chainsaw massacres, but in the interest of historical accuracy, before we do, by the way, everyone, I do want to say that last episode we did Evil Dead 2. Uh, which is one of my favorite movies ever, and Sean Esquire is not a fan, and that's okay, right? Just, no, just like everyone, right? Yeah, regular um, uh, self uh, self love is not for everyone, but uh, you know when there's like uh, the the promise of death, that's not for everyone either. So anyway, so Sean Esquire, I said, hey man, I did the uh, Evil Dead too because I love it, and uh, it's your turn. And then he said, e-, he said. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I said, "Holy hell! This is why I love you. This is why uh, you know you're you're a brother to me." Uh, but before we get into that, because it's that time of year, Shen Esquire, Halloween, the movie, <laughs> the time of year, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Halloween itself. Um, you know, we're still, I don't know if you know this or not, we're still in the uh, This Week in History uh, segment there. So Halloween is a great story because it encapsulates uh, a little bit of religion. It goes, pagans. From, it goes from the pagans, correct? It goes to the Catholics, it, and then it goes all the way to one of my favorite things, what are, one of the best things in the history of the world ever, capitalism. Mm. Yeah, so Halloween starts with the Celtics. Um, well, some some would say the um, Celt Celtics, right? So it's a, like C E L T I C S, right? It's pronounced Celtics, and then uh, also the Druids. So this is like the Druids were like their priest, and they had Sam Sam Hain. That's their that's their holiday, and it's pronounced. So Soheen, mm. but we're gonna say Sam Hain because uh, you know, I like this band Ministry and and uh, I don't want to get into all the particulars of whatever else. And so there's a door between worlds, Sean Esquire. It op- it opens. I don't know, like you know, sometimes there's doors that open, sometimes there's doors that don't open. This particular door opens. Rotating doors. <laughs> sometimes you a bachelor in your bachelor years and you have a you have a rotating door in your condo. It doesn't matter. It's not really we're not here for, you know, scientific evidence. There's a door between the worlds and it opens on uh like there's November the first. That's the Celtic New Year. By the way, also, like I said, there's the Celtics, mm-hmm. it's pronounced, well, it's Celtics. Anyway, don't, everybody, don't get bogged down there in the in the pronunciation there. So there's the Celtic New Year, 
And then what happened was uh, the Catholics came along. And then November 1, they said, oh, November 1, it's All Saints Day. And they said, oh, November 1, it's uh, All Hallows Day. And, you know, remember that time that, like, Catholics came along and they just uh, said, oh, we're going <laughs> to... We're gonna fix up all this pagan commandeer your holiday. There we go, dude. Nice. Yes. Shana Squire, such a beautiful human being. And then they said, Oh, All Saints Day, All Hollows Day, and they said October thirty one, there it is, All Hollows Eve, because the Eve is, you know, you know what it, I don't need to connect all the dots for you, Shana Squire. And right. I said, oh, there's all hollows tied, like the same thing. So the uh, Celtics, Celtics, they're not just Irish, right? They're um, they're all the people that were like north of Rome. Some of them were like, so, yeah, I mean, like way back Roman times. Some of them were barbarians. And then in Ireland, there was like the, the pagans, right? The pagans were polytheistic. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you probably don't know what that means. Everyone, that means that means. (laughs) No one knows what that means. It's been lost to the ages. No one knows. And then so, uh, then the uh, the Celtic uh, afterlife, they're like, oh, there's a land of the summer, right? Because these are basically these are agri, like agricultural people. So they they think in terms of uh, like the year, and then the summer, they're like, oh. That's that's great. Then the fall was a big deal because they were going to get all their harvest. Mm-hmm. So then sundown on October thirty first is. So bah, bah, bah. this right. was just started by the big pumpkin farmers to sell pumpkins. <laughs> it's probably it's just a huge conspiracy going back to like the fourteen hundreds. <laughs> so then, so then the uh, they had um. October 31st was like Sam Hain. It's the passage of the afterlife and the, the mortals. The whole thing is when you live in a, a agrarian culture, like a farming culture, they really land on a lot of farming stuff. Like, oh, harvest time. Oh, not harvest time. You know, things like that, probably. And then right. so, um, yeah, summer was like a summer to fall. To fall was a big deal. And then sundown on the 31st, they're like, oh, that's Sam Hain. That's when the uh, passage of afterlife and the mortal, mortal world, that's when it opens up. And so the Sam Hain, it was the, like the harvest festival. And they had a feast and they had like slaughter. They killed animals. And then they would, you know, a lot of them would like, they would like execute criminals. They were like, oh, boo. You know, that's probably what they did back then. Had a bonfire, right? Well, is it like you know, it's summertime, and then and then it's fall time, and you're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna har- harvest the crops, and then like, oh, we'll burn a fire. So they had all of the elements basically there. Then around the fifth or sixth century, dun 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 dun. dun, dun I don't know. And then there's like a Saint Patrick, right? That guy, he shows up. He's like, hey, everybody, oh, look at my sideburns or whatever. And he's like, uh, he he brings Catholicism to Ireland. Uh, he's probably from England. And then around the mid eighth century, then Pope Greg the Third, that guy, Ooh. right? Everybody's just like, oh man, that guy. And then he's like, he he has a feast of the martyrs, and then he's just like, uh, oh, it's time. Back in the olden days, they would move the Catholics. They would just move uh, all these holidays. He's like, oh, the feast of the martyrs. We're gonna move it to November the one. 
that's what we're doing. It's kind of like uh, uh, like the Romans in the old days. They were like, oh, we, we got to pony up all these pagan holidays. So like Constantine, his mom was a super fan of Christianity. And they were like, oh, we got to get these uh, pagan holidays all lined up with Christianity. Kind of the same thing. And then uh, so then All Saints Day. And it was like a thousand AD. Now, uh, now they have like All Souls Day, and then by the 13th century, it's like All Hallows Eve is the 31st of October, and then uh, All Saints Day is the first, right? So then All Souls Day becomes the second, and there's like a sync. Uh, sync There's a sin syncretism. So syncretism is the Catholics are like merging the uh, all the pagan stuff. So that's, that's what happened. Like the Catholics, they're spreading out, right? Like after the Crusades, like, oh, basically like starts from Constantine because his mom was a Christian. So sorry. So then like the Christianity, like they get to the Irish people and the Irish people are like, oh, we got a bunch of pagan weird gods and stuff. And like, ah, you just need the one God. And they do all that. So in the midst of all this, there's something called souling, right? Souling is the kids go around and they're singing and they're knocking on the doors and they're asking for treats. This is basically like Christmas caroling. People think about like just Christmas doing this. It's actually like multiple holidays in that part of the world back then. The kids would go go around and caroling and then uh, they would get like uh, like treats and everything. And then in Ireland, and I'm sorry like the irish for whatever reason they would just get like turnips that's what they had back then so <laughs> then yeah i mean yeah there was like a potato famine and all kinds of stuff so then the colonial u.s comes around i don't know if you know this colonial u.s largely anti-catholic hmm. so they, there's from the old world they also had guising right so guising was the kids dressing up this is all from old old world. So like I said, oh, you like have... disguising. Oh my god, China Squire, I did not put that together until you did that. And then now I'm getting a nosebleed and having a seizure because <laughs> because you because you did that. So now we have uh colonial US, like boo, Catholics. Uh and then and then by the eighteen hundreds, the Scots and the Irish are like Oh my God! This potato famine is the worst. Let's go to the U.S. They have, you know, more than potatoes over there. And then they, and then they, they, they brought all the fun and the and the, and the pranks. The Scots and the Irish—they're like, well, we don't have food here. Blimey! I don't know. If that's what they said. And they're like, we'll go to the U.S. And they're like, oh, well, we do have the pranks. And so they did. The, then the nineteenth century. Uh, it, it's so there's no more pagan kind of stuff, right? You're in the U.S. Let's uh, let's pump the brakes there on on burning, uh, I don't know, moose and rolling in the blood. I don't know what pagans do. And then the uh, also the U.S. is just like, hey, Catholics, um, we don't need you to tell us how to worship God. We'll just we'll just do it on our own. Yay for the U.S. for for having uh, autonomy there. So. Uh, then uh, in the U.S., also at that time, they were like, "Oh, we got pumpkins." So that's how it that's how it came to be. In the 1800s, also in the U.S. or I say the U.S. around between between Europe and the U.S. in the 1800s, they had the Victorian Gothic literature. I say Renaissance, whatever. So that's Frankenstein. Oh, 
Mary Shelley. There you go. 1818 is Frankenstein, right? Shana Squire, what is the, the book of Frankenstein? Do you know the other name for it? Frankenstein. Mm, really? It's a German version. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going a different direction there. Uh, Frankenstein, 1818, also known as Modern Prometheus. Okay. okay. That was a sure. movie. <laughs> Not Modern Prometheus, but Prometheus. It's an amazing movie. Uh, and then Dracula, 1897, right? Mm. So all of these elements lead up to what we now know as Halloween, right? So you've got all of the old world, very old world, the Celtics and the Druids and everything, and the and the guising, disguising, nice. disguising. There you go. And then uh, and then moving into the new world of the U.S. and everything. And in the meantime, in the 1800s, they have this Victorian Gothic surge. And then uh, in the U.S., like early 1900s into, you know, we basically won the World War I, uh, definitely won World War II, and that ushered in the middle class. And so now we have... Social Security taxes. <laughs> we, have this, we have this great middle class with disposable income. And so it, it uh, again, ushers in the um, commercialism, commercial commercialism, commercialization, commercializationism of the uh, of the uh, hey we better buy this uh, spider-man outfit otherwise you are into communism or whatever mm -hmm. you know so anyway that's the uh, that's that's how uh halloween came to be and an aside china choir can i do a quick a quick uh, sidebar yes because i had mentioned earlier regarding the amityville house right mm -hmm. it looked like a jack-o'-lantern mm-hmm do you know the story of Jack or Lantern? Um, <laughs> well, the guy that started it, he, he cut one hole mm -hmm. and then uh, another guy saw this and he goes, oh, you're making a Jack o' Lantern. He goes, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. So then he cut another <laughs> hole and a mouth. <laughs> that's probably exactly what happened. <laughs> So jack-o'-lantern came from uh, again. This is like an, an old old Irish tale. Stingy Jack, Stingy Jack, also known as Drunk Jack. <laughs> yeah, Stingy. He doesn't have a lot of good aliases, by the way. It's like, hey, is that Stingy Jack? He's like, f you. My name is Drunk Jack. <laughs> So Stingy, Stingy Jack, a.k.a. Drunk Jack, he was a, like a pre-modern, again, Irish Irish folklore. Sean Esquire, did you know there was an Irish folklore about a drunk dude? From Ireland? <laughs> yeah, so he was like a liar and a scoundrel. And then, uh, so there's many... Uh, variations of this tale by the way so this is where the pumpkin and the jack-o'-lantern comes from so uh, one night i don't know he like he's uh out on the road and he's he's probably uh like singing hymns about the lord and then uh satan shows up and he's like hey hey you're a horrible person and you gotta uh, give me your soul there 
So he says, hey, Satan, you know, that's cool. Um, but how about this? How about we go get a drink? And then uh, apparently, apparently that works for uh, <laughs> for uh, the, what do they call him? Lord of Lies, the father mm -hmm. of lies. He's like, ah, you know what? I wasn't going to say anything. I am, I am uh, winning a beer. I've been uh, tormenting uh, souls to damnation. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's do that. And they go to a pub and there's, uh, you know, there's drinking. And then uh, Stingy Jack is just like, um, hey, Satan, uh, <laughs> tell you what there. Uh, just uh, pay for these. <laughs> <laughs> pay for this round. And then uh, it's all good. So he's asked, asked Satan to uh, pay for them. And then Satan's like, oh, well, I'll turn into a silver coin. <laughs> he's like, I don't give a shit. He's like, turn into a credit card for all I care. <laughs> so it's just, and then Jack, uh, he's like, hey, thanks for turning into a coin. Got you. <laughs> and then he puts uh, the coin into his pocket. And then for whatever reason, he has like a Jack has like a crucifix in his pocket. And he's like, "Oh, I got you!" And then, like, Satan's trapped. So then, uh, and then uh, Jack says, "You know what? Tell you what, let me live one more year, and then, uh, and then maybe you don't have to be trapped as a coin forever, Satan. That's a pretty good deal." And then, uh, and then uh, <laughs> he says, "Okay, good, good deal there." So then Satan comes back a year later, and he's like, "Hey, remember, remember a year ago?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, I'm." Uh, <laughs> I'm Sinji Jack. I'm drunk Jack. I don't, I don't really keep a calendar. I don't really know what's going on. He's like, yeah, I'm Satan. And then we did this thing. He's like, okay, that's cool. And then this time Jack said, all right, well, last time we did a drink. Let's do an apple. Satan's like, well, that's a totally different request. We'll do that. <laughs> and then, so, uh, so then they go to get apple. And then uh, Jack's like, let me get this apple. For a reason, I don't know. Satan is like hanging around, and then Jack's like, "I'll just put these crucifixes on the tree because that's what works." And then Satan's like, "Oh, I'm trapped. You know, I'm not good with crucifixes." And then uh, Jack's like, "Oh, you know, <laughs> that's what you get there. Uh, fool me once, and it says, uh, you know, uh, I'll um, I'll let you out there, but uh, you can never take me to hell." So I think um, that's a pretty good deal. And then uh, the Satan, Satan's like, uh, I don't want to live in this tree forever. So then uh, one day Jack dies. You know, that happens, as, as one does. And then uh, Jack goes to heaven because he got that deal there. Yeah. Uh, from Right. That's a good that's a good deal. And then uh, and then God's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I made that deal with Satan. So that's not with me. So you're out of here. Clonk, clonk, clank, clonk. And then he's like, uh, oh, God, uh, son of a bitch. And then, uh, and then he, goes, he, he goes to uh, he goes to hell. He's like, well, I, had, I didn't get heaven, so I'll probably just uh, go over here. I don't know. Like at that point, he was just like wanting he wanted to go to hell. Satan's like, oh man, a a deal's a deal. You know, you know how it works there. Probably like Satan's lawyer popped out of the shadows. <laughs> he was like, uh, a third paragraph, section A for for per the uh, party of the first party of the third party of. So then Satan got a, he said, you know what, man, I'm not, I'm not the worst person in the world. I'm not a monster. I'm just Satan. And then, so he got an ember out of the fires of hell. Mm -hmm. He gave it, he gave it to Jack and he's like, Hey, Hey, here you go, man. That's the, that's, you know, I'm not, I mean, what did God give you? Nothing. I gave you an embers from the fire. And then, uh, and then Jack was like, Oh, that's cool. 
fires from hell and then he put it in a turnip because that's what you do and then sure. uh, it was a, a lantern to light the way as he watered the earth at night for all eternity so i think that was really nice that like god was like uh hey man f you go good luck and then satan was like oh, man this guy uh, here's, here's a nice hot stone in your trying time the least i can do is give you like a light so you know because you're trapped in the in the nether worlds for eternity mm -hmm. so um yeah i mean satan gave him something and god gave him nothing and so i don't i don't think that that's really fair but anyway that is the story of the jack of the lantern also known as jack lantern so that's pretty good it's a pretty good story but again i don't think that's fair <laughs> it's a pretty good story though at least he got something out of the deal. <laughs> the Jagged Lantern. Shadow Squire, do you have a kooky and or spooky situation on your end? Uh, I don't. You don't. Well, I will tell you, my friend, is that uh, I had someone tell me, like, ooh, um, I'm not a, a huge fan of... Uh, of Evil Dead 2, but <laughs> I'll tell you. So the answer is yes, you do. You do have other stuff going on. Everyone, Sean Esquire, as I have said before, was not a was not a great fan of one of my favorite, well, probably my favorite horror movie from the 80s, Evil Dead 2, with Sam Ra Well, Sam Raimi was a director and Bruce Campbell. But that takes us. Sean Esquire gave an excellent, amazing recommendation for this spooky kooky episode of our, our halloween special texas chainsaw massacre everybody 1974 we're gonna take a quick break everybody grab your beers because holy mackerel this movie is amazing the film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths in particular sally hardesty and her invalid brother franklin it is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. just gives you chills every time man the intro itself just so iconic iconoclastic and terrifying and as far as i'm concerned there's only one texas chainsaw massacre and again everyone i want to say shana squire i love you for recommending this because i was very concerned because you were very anti-evil dead too and that's okay and this is 1974 the texas chainsaw with a uh, toby hooper as the director and what do you want to talk about first man you want to talk about body count sure so everyone's like oh this movie is so brutal uh i'll never recover again it destroyed my family <laughs> how many <laughs> how many people died in this movie at least five five yeah i think it's like right right on five right um 
uh, Toby Cooper was actually trying to get a PG rating. And then the other thing is, spoiler alert, everyone, on this whole thing, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, how many people die from a chainsaw? Right. Right. They're very dangerous, though, like to operate. Do you get that kickback? Right. No, I've, I've, I've had very close calls. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre, how many people die from a chainsaw? I mean, only five people die in the movie, so one dude dies from the chainsaw. <laughs> That's why like... it's called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not Massacres. It, it's pretty close. So, uh, again, Toby Hooper was the director. He went on to direct another amazing movie called Poltergeist. Do you know that one? Uh, yeah. Do you know the, I mean, I say the quote from Poltergeist, like the only quote from Poltergeist, if I wore a Poltergeist shirt, whatever, or a hat, that's all, that's all I want. I don't know. It's been a this, long time since I saw that movie. Okay. It's going to tie into like a possible Amityville reference because people are like, Ooh, there was a bunch of a Indian burial ground over there. There wasn't, that was, that was a myth for, but anyway, so, uh, Poltergeist directed by uh-huh. Toby Hooper. Who directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre? They moved the bodies. They moved the gravestones, but they didn't move the bodies. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you can, everyone, I I recommend, work that into any uh, synergy meeting, you know, like power power building. You moved the gravestones, but you didn't move the bodies. Like, all right. You're going to be manager of the department, whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> this is Toby Hooper. Uh, Shana Square, where did he get the idea of the movie? Uh, loosely based on a true story in West Texas. Okay. What happened in the story? Um, there was a, a chainsaw seller, a man that okay. sold chainsaws. Gotcha. And, and he was... He was honestly just trying to sell a chainsaw to a group of teenagers who were coming through for Christmas time and needed some way to cut a tree down to travel back. That is a that is a story as timeless as time itself. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And um, he he didn't sell them the chainsaw. Uh, they they tried to basically rip him off. They were trying to barter for a better price. This sounds like an allegory to the Iliad. Keep going. So once they they refused to pay the full price for the chainsaw, the the seller, uh, you know, the, the merchant was like, "I can't deal with you kids anymore." And then they they just became belligerent. Um, it was more of a self defense thing, I think, for the 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 merchant. It's about the duality of man and how unraveling of soul often is preceded by hubris and i think i mean i say i think a lot of people Sean Esquire, they don't really stop and think about texas chainsaw massacre it's really about family so the opening voice of i'm sorry the opening voice the the voice of the opening segment do you know who that is john learned- roland oh you're very I mean, there's a John there. Yeah. Okay. You'll never believe me. Uh, John Larroquette. I was close. Who is it? Who is that dude? 
Uh, prepare, prepare to age yourself. John Lyricit. Yes. Uh, Gen Z will not, the Zoomers will not appreciate you at all for doing this. Was Who's he the he? original Frankenstein? <laughs> <laughs> Shadow Squire is trying to make himself look like, well, I don't know who that guy is. You know who he is, dude. John... That, is Dan, that is Dan from Night Court. Dan, that is John Lyricit did the opening sequence for um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Mm -hmm. And how much did he get paid for doing that? What did he get paid? Mm, $20. Mm, close. One marijuana cigarette. Oh. They had marijuana cheap. <laughs> it was the 70s. They had marijuana cigarettes back then. Did you, did you know about that? I've never heard of these. Yes. Uh, it's it's a thing now. I think it's coming up. So Gunnar Hansen, that, that is Leatherface, that's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy, he joked about not having any real wines, and then he mm -hmm. did gibberish. He also, because he was like such a method actor, he went and um, sat in on classes with kids that had developmental delay. So anyway, so uh, Marilyn Burns, she, she, you know, she ran out of those, and then she got so many cuts that the blood on her clothes and everything in that movie is, uh, is real. It's very real. Edwin Neal, the hitchhiker guy, he went mm -hmm. to Vietnam in real life. He was actually a Vietnam vet, and he said the uh, dinner scene that they did, it was like 30 hours because the grandpa guy, they put the makeup on him, he was mm -hmm. like, I'm doing this one time. I hate it because it's like smothering him. He said, I'm not doing <laughs> it again. So they did, So that scene with the grandpa and the dinner scene, by the way, everybody, spoiler alerts. It, it's 74, right? We're, we're doing spoilers. So anyway, he was like, oh, we're going to do this. So the director, uh, Toby Hooper, right, did uh, Poltergeist. He said, uh, oh, we're, we'll do this uh, night, night scene, night shooting. It's like a 30-hour shot from the from the dinner scene and the bright lights the reason why ed uh edwin neal said that it was worse than when he went to vietnam he's like i went to vietnam and people were trying to kill me and this was worse than that that's his quote that's his actual quote he said they turn the bright lights on because on that dinner scene they have like a chicken head or whatever and the chicken head starts decomposing and everything smelled people were like running to the windows to throw up and everything and then uh, he's like, uh, yeah, Vietnam. Then he, um, in terms of uh, the actual movie itself, he said Tex uh, Edwin Neal, Texas State Troopers, went up to him and shook his hand multiple, multiple times because they said, oh, you're the reason why no one hitchhikes anymore. <laughs> so another, like... Hey, do you remember that time I was talking about Amityville Horror and I mentioned the Jenna VC family? Mm -hmm. This Your one, in, this one involves the Colombo crime family, mafia, whatever. You know, it's the seventies, dude. They have their hands and everything. FBI, what were you doing? Like, just so anyway. So the uh, so uh, Colombo Colombo crime family was involved, and then pretty much no one got paid. So the movie was seventy four. The, none of the actors anyone got, really got paid until 83. Now the house has been moved. The house, the actual house is in uh, Kings, Kingsland, Kingsland, Texas. Uh, Leatherface, a uh, dude named Gunnar Hansen. How much did Leatherface get paid 
This is like one of the best horror movies ever. What did he get? <clears throat> he probably he got at least a marijuana cigarette and then probably like eighteen hundred dollars. And a yeah, a nice belt with a nice belt buckle with a chainsaw on it. Thirty dollar gift certificate to JC Penney's. Oh. Four Russian brides. No, and then for whatever reason, the contract read "no questions asked." (laughs) Never, never never have to pay taxes again. Seventies. I don't know what happened there. So, no, everyone, that's a joke. It's eight hundred dollars for Gunner Gunner Hansen, and then uh, the shooting. uh, The shooting of the movie was um, supposed to be two weeks. It was four weeks, and like I said. It's clearly a family movie, right? And also, Sean Esquire, can we talk about the real um, message of this movie, please? Please and thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think is like the big problem? The kids, skip the whole thing. The kids go to the thing and they go to the other thing and they go to the house. And then like, what, what is the problem with this movie? Can we just say... Oh, these kids, they got in their dumb van and they picked up a hitchhiker. Like, don't pick up, don't, don't do that. And they went to the gas station and the guy was like super weird. And then they were like, hey, let's go inside of this house. So they like walked into this house like willy nilly. So this movie, first and foremost, right? It's about family, right? It's all the family there. And then second, it's about don't trespass. I was sitting in my house murdering people and like wearing their skin on my face, whatever. And then enjoying my day. I was just trying to enjoy my day. And then, you know, I pay my taxes and then some dude is all like, you know, rolling in like, Oh, what's going on? Look at my helmet hair from 1970. Of course I'm going to smash him with a hammer. There was like, those kids could not stop barging into this guy's house. They just kept trying yeah, to burgle him. It is enough. It doesn't matter what's going on. There was like at least three of them, and then there was they were just on his property. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah, just hanging. You know, no, the only person that dies from a chainsaw in the whole movie is Franklin. He's in his wheelchair and he gets he gets chainsawed down. You know, we should make the movie from the the perspective of the other side, you know? Tell his story. Sean Esquire, you watch this with the uh, with the missus? Yes. And she loves it. Yeah, she loves horror movies, like in general. No, but this this one is like the horror movies of horror movies. Right. This is up there with like Exorcist. So she she thought this was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, she she likes um, she likes the old stuff, and then what was the one? Not the Conjuring. Um, what is that group? I think it's a production company that did the was a scary movie with the kid driving and the, the the brothers hanging his head out the window and gets knocked off by a pole, and then the oh, hereditary. Hereditary. It wasn't the brother. It was a girl. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, no, that director. No, that that's a whole. That's, she, a whole, that's a whole other conversation. She likes that director's stuff. Yeah, I get it. Do you know who the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 
the guy like who who was it based on in real life we we actually covered we covered this an episode or two ago and i alluded to it and you're like oh whatever oh uh Evil Dead's the worst. And then, so, anyway, yeah. Uh, Leatherface is based on... Get in there. Uh, live. Bobby Orr, old <laughs> hockey player. Because they, they wore masks made of leather. It's not, it's not too far off. Uh, we've, we've spoken about this one or two episodes with Ed Gein. Remember Ed Gein? The name sounds familiar. Remember the time I sent you like 15 freaking articles and YouTubes <laughs> and about Ed Gein? Ed Gein uh, was a serial killer. Oh, I okay. C- clarification back in the day. So uh, he was not a serial killer because he only killed two people. That's how that's how they judge everyone. That's not me. I didn't draw the line. He only, only killed two people. So not a serial. anyway, so he inspired the characters of uh, Psycho. Silence and Lambs guy. And, oh, that's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. So, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the budget was around 100 million, 100K, 140K, ultimately okay. made 30 million. Sean Esquire. That's, that's pretty good. That's a good return on investment. So, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974 is the best only Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Sean Esquire. Uh, while I'm at it, Amityville horror movie. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you gonna watch it? Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. Oh, I mean, are you gonna do uh, the '79 version? Are you gonna do uh, James Brolin? Are you gonna do? Yeah, I'll Ryan, stick with Ryan the Ryan. original. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, I try to watch the Ryan Reynolds, but also, by the way, everyone, Ryan Reynolds. This is like '05, so uh, he's trying. He's doing his best. Okay. Sean Esquire, you're the best ever. And, uh, again, very, very happy that Sean Esquire chose Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Everyone, you are the best, and I love you. And uh, hello, new friends, if I didn't say so already. Hello, established friends. We are drinking more beer. We're doing big things. Please stay with us. And... Even though Halloween episode didn't drop on Halloween, it was still a banger. I mean, who's a rebel? Like, what kind of level that that? Right. Halloween doesn't have to stop on the thirty first of October. Yeah, and you can watch scary. You can watch scary movies in April. So there you go. And everyone, we have big things coming up. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, Amityville, I'm not buying it. Chad Squire, good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Thanks, everybody.